it's about getting into schools and talking to young people because you know I, I know that people can change uh, and, it, and it's about talking to people and getting them to understand and perhaps step back from violence and, and prejudice and whatever and we just need to work together and keep on the good fight there absolutely Hey there guys, we are ecstatically happy to announce that we are associated with the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. The times are changing and with the unfortunate death of Sophie, those changes have made a massive impact for the future. If Sophie was with us still today, I can guarantee what you are doing will still be reaching so many lives of young teenagers, young adults and those who wish to be as different as possible so thank you very much to find out more about this incredible foundation and all the work they do and more importantly how you can help head on over to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com hey this is toby wright and you're listening to the chronicles of podcast keep up the good work keep listening of 2022 and i believe jamie that these are the chronicles of toby wright uh shall we why not hit it welcome everybody to the 23rd edition of the chronicles of podcast we're back baby it's 2022 and Are the Chronicles of Toby Wright. It is I, the bearded Brummy Jamie, Mr. COVID-19, and with me, as always, is this man. It's the Scotsman Tom, non, now non-COVID-19 infected. Yes. yes, obviously we do massively apologise. We should address the elephant in the room. But first of all, why yeah, is there an elephant in the room? Yeah, why is it there? Why, is, why, like, why do animals get used as like, have you ever heard a wolf whistle? Because I don't think I have. Have you ever seen a, a wolf? fucking good point? Have you ever seen a wolf in sheep's clothing? Why is a wolf wearing sheep's clothing? It's probably eating it, but why would it wear the wool? It wouldn't do that, would it? It'd be covered in blood as well. See, now it's like coming a, a mile. Good off. point. Yeah, I'm more thrown off by wolf whistle because even if they could, I'd have to go. Yeah, it's like oh, if pigs fly, well, why would pigs fly? They've got wings. What a weird start to the episode. Anyway, sorry, yeah, it's just nothing. because obviously a lot of people talk about <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Animals get abused a lot in sort of like circumstances like that. It's just like, oh, you know, uh, you're a wolf in sheep's clothing. I, can't, I, I was trying to think of a new one. I'm going to say you can't pick of No more. No more for you, Ginger. All right. It's 22 now. You just fucking have to deal with it yourself. But my brain was like flicking through the fire decks. Like, come on, come on, come on, come on. Right. And then the countdown clock's going in the background. Did it. Did it. Did it. Boom. You the same one. You bastard. Um, anyway. The elephant's over there for some reason. It's in my, you know, it's destroying my house. Um, 
We were obviously off last week. We were meant to be recording. We were obviously meant to be releasing this episode last Friday. Uh, but I ended up with the vid and I had to isolate. But I wasn't at home. So not only could we not record, I obviously wasn't well enough to record. I had none of my gizmos, gadgets and everything else. Uh, so unfortunately, we had, sadly had to take the week off. Jamie's now suffering with the vid. Uh, and so this is why we're now recording because, you know, it, who cares about Jamie? When, I'm joking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are we are recording right jay yeah yeah i don't give a shit that you feel so. <laughs> definitely i'm better now so we will now record okay do as i say <laughs> we're quite fortunate yes i am currently fucking positive don't worry you can't get it through audio sound waves you're safe people but um yeah i've not been fit. this morning was touch and go i was like are we gonna be able to record tonight i feel like shit but luckily i've I actually felt a little bit better throughout the day today it's not gonna last i'm gonna wake up tomorrow feeling like deaf i know it but as daft as it sounds I think it was the adrenaline of knowing we're doing this tonight that got me going because I was like, I've missed doing this so much. I'm actually getting to do something. I'm going to do my hair for the first time in a fucking week. It's like, <laughs> I might actually brush my beard. So yeah I, yeah, I think the adrenaline just got me going. So And plus, luckily, one of my uh, symptoms isn't the continuous cough. So I ain't got to worry about that either. Good. I see. I had that. So I had the, the I had slight, slight, only slight breathlessness, uh, coughing and, Fatty, because I was sleeping and like I was just like lazing about, like playing PlayStation. It's like, yeah, every day. Like I don't think I've, I haven't played that much PlayStation in years. <laughs> it's it's headaches and nausea that's got me. Oh, that's dude, how, main, how so. are you? You're okay though. You're all right. I'd like to say I'm feeling all right at the minute. This morning I was I had to go back to bed. I was just I couldn't look at the TV. I couldn't look at like anything involving light. I couldn't use my phone. I was just sat there watching. Just like, just go to bed. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go back to bed. You got light sensitivity, have you? Mm. Yeah, I did. I did for a little bit. That's the first time I've had it. It's like this morning was the roughest I felt since I've had it. Oh, bless you, man. Bless I'm you, my feeling, friend. Been a bit better now, but we'll see. How Good. Go. That's what I like to hear. So, fuck Jamie's weighing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that <laughs> ain't fucking happening. Yeah, because yeah. obviously, yeah. have you have you been getting cabin fever? A little bit. I am quite desperate to go outside now. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's so weird. So obviously, when I was allowed back out on Saturday the eighth. I got on a bus to go to work and I was like, this just feels weird. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, obviously I caught COVID on New Year's Eve. Um, I just took a lateral and literally went red immediately. Like there was no like time period. It's like, yes, you're positive. But I was like, oh shit. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was it. Stuck with the other half and her mum in their house. And then I gave it to them as well. So I'm so sorry, guys. You're so watching this. I know. I, I try. Um, so New Year, we literally just spent it eating Indian food and all feeling sorry for ourselves. Um, just like, happy new year. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's good to be back. I'm glad you're okay. So you're, you're feeling all right, yeah? Yeah, I'm feeling fine. Speaking of, I was going to I was gonna say, how was your new year? Did you have a good new year? Well, happy yeah, new that? year. It's happy new year to you too. Happy new year to everybody listening and watching this. Hi guys, it's a pleasure to have you back here with us at the Chronicles of Podcast. We've got a big year for you lot. Oh, <laughs> We've got some unbelievable guests this year. We've got plans in the works. We've got things coming up. And hopefully, guys, we'll have some live events for you. Exciting. Um, So, yeah, but, yeah, it was good, man. We literally, uh, because obviously we couldn't go out, so we just ordered an Indian takeaway. um, And we watched Jules Holland, um, you know, the usual, like, TV, BBC TV, that sort of thing, Graham Norton, um, and that sort of thing, which is is really nice. And we just uh, had a few drinks, had some food, and went to bed. How about you? It was a quiet one. Like I said, like I think I said on the last episode, we did plan to go to our friend's house, but they got the vid, so that got cancelled. 
So in the end, me and the wife, we just chilled at home, had a few drinks, played a couple of games, had a couple of games in the draw we haven't played like yet or ever. There's a, a Disney kazoo game that we played. It was quite fun. Basically, it's a list. <laughs> you each get a kazoo right. and there's a list, a card, take turns pulling a card and it's got a Disney song on it and you've got to play it on the kazoo and the other person's got to guess what it is. Okay. I think there was one we didn't get each. It was cool. It's not really that hard to work out what someone's playing on a kazoo to be fair well no it's some really like annoying donald duck isn't it yeah pretty much and then we played nightmare before christmas monopoly it was quite cool but what made me laugh um we did i did we ended up calling it quits because we were now it was like one in the morning we're like we need to go to bed we're like yeah but this game we need to know what's going on who's gonna win this fucking game (laughs) forget how long a game of monopoly goes on for jesus but yeah i I love obliterating people in it i love it because I have I have a tactic that I use every time. I don't think I haven't lost for a while, so I haven't played it for a while, let alone lost in a while. Ah. <laughs> but it was good fun. We watch. What made me laugh is we didn't watch the countdown on actual TV. We watched it on iPlayer. Didn't realise there's a thirty second delay on iPlayer. So my phone's going off, going Happy New Year, Happy New Year, and then I'm just going 29, 20. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? We realise there's a thirty second delay. So like we had the wife looked at which like, should we say happy new year now or wait till the TV tells us to? We don't really know. <laughs> we've committed, love. We might yeah, as well just we go. We might with as the well just go with the TV now. Yeah, we've we've committed to this now. We might it's gonna be a bit weird if we're saying happy new year before it's got to zero, yeah. even though it already is new year, but still we'll <laughs> we'll let iPlayer tell us it's be uh, it's be that, fine. That young boy from the years and years told us we have to wait 30 seconds. We'll wait 30 seconds. I feel like BBC and they're like you'll fucking wait, all right. <laughs> <laughs> But my favourite thing about New Year, though, is what I realised in the news the day after, was the idiots on the bridge. Did you read about this? No. Because the government went, don't go to the fucking London Bridge for the fireworks. There ain't going to be any. It's COVID. We're not doing anything this year. Everyone went to the London Bridge. There was no fireworks. So everyone's just like, where fireworks? Oh, you are Where's joking. the fucking fireworks? But apparently the ones that were set off for TV were like the other side of London. So everyone was like, they're over there no way <laughs> oh my days I know we don't trust our government quite often but I don't think we don't trust them to the point they go we're going to say there's no fireworks but guess what lads fireworks people are idiots they really are it was my favourite thing do you know what it's because there's no cheese and wine that's what it was if there's cheese and wine on the bridge you would have known there'd be fireworks people <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, but right so before we really get into the meatiness of how we've been and what we've been doing etc okay. I've got something I want to bring up and I really I've been thinking about this a lot and I really feel <coughs> that this is an important subject we need to we need to bring up right okay so when you're at school I feel that your social status going into secondary school was defined by what you were in the nativity in the primary school Ooh. so I find you know you go if you were ever Joseph, Mary, the angel Gabriel, the wise men, you know, people that actually had a, the innkeeper that had parts and had roles that you would be, you would strive and you would thrive in school. You had loads of friends, you know, you'd pass all your exams, you'd, do, you'd go on to great, bigger and great things, right? But if you were a donkey, a star, a shepherd, a sheep, or a tree or whatever the fuck they do now, then you're like, there's no hope for these people. There's absolutely no hope at all. We'll just make them a fucking animal that can stand there doing this, and then we'll just fucking tend to leave, all right? <laughs> it just reminded me of love, actually. 
What have you? What part are you in the nativity? The lobster. Oh, There's yeah. a lobster at the nativity. Uh, I can't actually remember what I was in the nativity. I've been a donkey, a star, a sheep, <laughs> and I think I was a shepherd. All of the loser ones. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah, uh, there's no hope for that. He's ginger, love. We'll just make put him in the background. We don't need gingers at the forefront. They have no lines. They have, you know, we don't need gingers in our nativity play, okay? I think I was a shepherd, but I honestly can't remember. Do you not? I generally can't remember. No, my luck was one of those ones asked to sit on the side and sing. Didn't even get a the, role in the play. They put random hymns. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, they had a choir as well. Yeah. yeah. People that even didn't get chosen to be anything. <laughs> oh, they're just, they're just going to be criminals, all of them. No, I'm joking. What do you um, get to wear? Your uniform. Sit the yeah. down. <laughs> and they're just, then you're, they, they did squeeze like random hymns in. Like, and you'd be like, and the, the team is just going, all things bright and beautiful. Why are we singing that? What's this for? All creatures, <laughs> great. Why is this in the nativity play? It just fucking is, little Samuel. Deal with it. <laughs> just sing the fucking hymns, all right? And no one gets hurt. <laughs> You've got the teacher doing the piano who just looks like they have to play these songs once more time. They are going to jump out of a window. <laughs> yeah, and the teacher's like, I hate my life. I don't get paid enough for this. <laughs> Just play the fucking piano. <laughs> the head teacher and the voice and the um, principal are just like, you threaten the kids, I'll threaten the teacher. Sorted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come in, sniper one. Sniper one, are you ready to take out the uh, sniper? Yeah. <laughs> and the eagle has landed. I the eagle has landed over. <laughs> it's Christmas. I mean, the donkey has landed. The donkey has landed. <laughs> Put the falcon in the nest. It's the falcon in the nest. Over. It's the baby in the manger. The baby is in the manger. <laughs> Who's Roger? Um, <laughs> so, uh, obviously, after during our week off, what have you been doing yourself, man? What's been going on um, before you uh, caught the uh, dreaded COVID-19? Well, before I caught the dreaded COVID, I went out with Claire on New Year's Day. We had an absolute great time just Lush. hanging around, just chilling out. Um I watched a few things this week as well. I watched a movie on Netflix called Two, and it is possibly the most bizarre movie I've ever seen in my life. It's it about does. two people that wake up and they've been sewn to each other. Oh, I've seen the trailer. Yeah, that looked weird as fuck. It was weird as fuck, and not what I expected. <laughs> it was. I, if people like fucked up films, it's not the most fucked up film in the world. Don't get me wrong. This film's like teeth in the world, but that's messed up, and it was really weird. <laughs> Yeah, and they're sewn by their stomachs or something. They're sewn like they're conjoined twins. What? Yeah, it's really... I don't know if it's a spoiler or not. Because no, is anyone going to watch don't... it? I mean, I won't, but we'll leave. We'll give it, you know, we'll give it some time. Yeah, we will give it some time, but it's it's weird. Just watch it. It's weird. My favourite thing about it is, though, because I watch things with subtitles on, as people know and people judge me for. But it's one of those things where the the words that have been said on the screen and the subtitles don't match at all. So I get the feeling it's been dubbed from like another country. Is it a foreign movie? Yeah, I think it is a foreign movie. I didn't look that uh, much into it, to be fair. Um, what made you watch it? I saw, a, I think it was a Land Bible article about it. And I was just like, they did what and did what now? Yeah, I've got to watch this. I've got to watch this. Okay. So I thought, why not? Um, I've watched the Disney movie Encanto at least, at least 10 times this past week. Because my daughter is obsessed with it. Uh, have you watched Encanto yet? I know. Nope. No, I know you're over half a Disney fan, so I wasn't sure. It's great. It's great. 
it's a really good film, but 10, to, 10 days in a row gets a bit much after a while. Plus, you really get the song stuck in your fucking head. Like, if every single day I'm walking around just going, we don't talk about Bruno, no, 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 because it's just lodged into my Ah, head. that's what that's from. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I've decided to start watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. again. Oh, From nice. the beginning. So I'm on season one, episode 10 at the minute. It's very slow at the beginning, but it gets amazing halfway through yeah, series one. Because I literally can't remember where I got to last time. So I thought, do you know what? Let's start from the beginning. And when I get to the point where we got to before, I go, oh, Becky, I found where we got to. <laughs> <laughs> but and, uh, the only other thing I've watched really is uh, I watched uh, The Matrix 3 because I'd never seen it before. So we could then watch The Matrix 4. Uh, okay, it's and awful, Ma- sorry. Matrix 3 is bloody bad. Oh, it's not great. And the Matrix Four, the new one, Res- Resurrections. I yeah, don't know if I liked it or not. I'm going to see it tomorrow night. This was well, obviously out Friday, so I'm going yeah. to see it. I saw it Tuesday night, so yeah, I don't. I don't know if I liked it or not. I won't spoil anything, obviously, but yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's funny because the other half was like, "Oh, Jamie, the Matrix isn't very good," and I was like, "How has he gone to see the Matrix when he's got COVID?" Ah, I know what he's done. <laughs> He's a flat out the bastard. Naughty boy, naughty boy. The very old Claire message was like, how are you watching that? I was like, I, I have ways. Yeah, because you mentioned you watched Ghostbusters again earlier or yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. And I was like, that's not how you either. <laughs> no, I have Jamie, ways. Jamie. What? I did, I did. I watched a trailer earlier today as well. I don't know if you've seen it. It's for a new program coming out called Bel Air. Have you seen this trailer? No. It's produced by Will Smith. And it's basically based off a fan trailer that someone made of a dramatic version of The Fresh Prince. Right. And he watched it and was like, holy shit, that's an amazing idea. And he's made it. Okay. It's literally a dramatic modern day version of The Fresh Prince. It looks really good. If you don't look at it as if it's The Fresh Prince and just look at it as this brand new show that's coming out, it looks really good. Okay. Okay, right. I'll, take your, I'll take your word for it. Kid from the suburbs that's got himself into trouble and then he goes to live his aunt. It's, it's really dark and it looks really good. Okay, all right, fucking hell. Like, <laughs> I, I got really into it. I was like, give me the fucking program now. Inject is it into my veins, please. TV series, is it? Yeah, TV series. Okay. I think it's coming to Peacock. Ah, oh, so yeah, we won't get any of that then. Yeah, probably not, no. Um, other than that, what have I done? Like I said, I've been mostly dying on the sofa. And then... Um, I'm doing a lot of reading as well. Okay. Remember I said nice. I got, got books for Christmas. I've got like over halfway through one of the books I got. Like Becky's been like, I want to watch The Witcher. I was like, okay, that program shit. Let me grab my headphones. So I've just been listening to Kiss while reading Paul Stanley books. It's great. Been loving life. Been loving it. Oh, bless you. Your little, little element. Your little bubble. Bless you. I was. It was great. Just sat in the armchair under a blanket, listening to Kiss, but reading Paul Stanley's autobiography. <laughs> loving life. Everybody's got a reason. To live, <laughs> <laughs> baby. Everybody's got to... <laughs> the main thing that's making me laugh about it so much, though, is he really fucking hates the original Kiss drummer. It makes me laugh so much. He's like, ah, Peter Chris, he was lazy. Ah, Peter Chris, he was untalented. Peter Chris, oh, what a prick. I was like, fucking hell. Don't hold, pull any punches, Paul. Jesus Christ. This is meant to be a book about his life, not about it's just, uh, the whole <laughs> book. is just basically how much he hates this drummer. Yeah, this chapter's called Fuck Peter Chris. Like, yeah. 
I was out with the wife, and basically, Peter Chris is an absolute prick. <laughs> Pretty much. It's what? Like, <laughs> anything he could say against him, he was like, oh, we fired him from the band. We didn't, they say we didn't want to, but he had to go. He was a dick. I was like, fucking hell. All right, fair enough. But no, that's pretty much about it, really. I've not done a fat lot else. I'm just looking at my looking at my notes. <laughs> and I was just funny. Yeah. I was funny to do like do a newsreel thing where you shuffle about out of nowhere. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> anyway, the only other thing, I tell her, there is one other thing on this. Oh. Do you ever get really competitive at board games? Where's a certain board games you play in? This like competitive part takes over you. So. Yeah, because we played Frustration, the updated version of Frustration uh, on New Year's Eve, which now, you know, when you press the middle and the dice would flip. Yeah, yeah. Now you get a flipper pad, you have to smack it and it flips, you get a genie now as well. Yeah. It means that if somebody, if somebody lands on you or jumps over you, your piece can't die, can't go back to the waiting area, it stays there because you've got the genie, so it's protected. The fuck! Okay. I imagine it's because games went on for fucking years because people kept getting landed on. I was like, you like, how do we make this faster so people don't get bored of our game quick enough? Um, but like, the other half was winning, and she had one left, and I was like, because I was in the lead, and then she she knocked me back to my thing, so she was on her last person. I had one person left. I was like, fuck! And then I managed to get out, and I and deep down I was like, out on the outside, I was like, yeah, cool, no worries. This is I'm really enjoying this, but deep down I was like. How am I going to win? Like, how am I actually going to... I won in the end, but I was just like, because I managed to catch up to her and land on it. I was like, right, oh. <laughs> so I calmed down everyone. It's all good. It's all good. I'm back in the lead now. It's fine. <laughs> the reason I ask is I've realised this week, I am very competitive at Connect Four. Really? Problem is, I'm playing against a four-year-old. <laughs> I'm not She's letting her won, win. Then. No, I ain't letting... <laughs> well done. Thank you. I ain't letting her win. She's like, I was like, I win. She's like, no, daddy, I want to win. I was like, no, all's fair in love and connect. Uh, yeah. like, I won. <laughs> I'm not having that win. I fucking won. Yeah. I don't care how old you are. Grow up, right? Deal with it. People lose sometimes. Yes. All right. This is the thing you'll learn in life. Daddy always that. wins at yeah. connect for you. Little shit. Now fucking take it. Go to your room. <laughs> I'd realized, I was like, Becky was like, just let her win. I was like, no. <laughs> she needs to learn how to lose and she will repeatedly and you wife go to your room <laughs> <laughs> don't say such ridiculous <laughs> I will not be beaten I don't want to get you for your birthday yeah connect four just a big trophy with collect four champion on it yes <laughs> well done you beat a four year old anyway how have you been what have you been up to well, obviously, I, it's so funny before I get into it as well, like the, the amount of acronyms and like different versions of how everyone says COVID-19 now is it went from COVID to Corona to Rona, and now it's the vid. Like, for fuck's sake. So bloody British. It does my head in. It's just like, oh, I've got that vid. I've got that vid-19. Um, it sounds like a secret porno. Um, anyway. <laughs> vid-19. <19. laughs> Um, that's some filthy shit on there. No, I'm joking. Um, awful case. Um, so I literally, um, I'm trying to think when we last recorded now because I'm trying to go. We so we I was reannering, um, but I think I was reannering whilst I was symptomatic. Oh, yeah, um, bastard. The heart, literally half of Specsavers were like dead. Everyone had it. 
So I think it was inevitable. I think twenty of us were off at one point. Jesus. There's, there's, yeah, that's like it was. It was. It was rife. Rife, I tell thee. Out of twenty-one staff, it's just Steve's. It? it was. It was fifty-one staff, and twenty of us were off. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was nuts, like nuts. I went. I I got to go back Saturday, so thankfully I'm now clear. But in that entire time, I had to isolate, obviously, with the half and a mum. And so the half was like, "Shall we? Shall we go and get your PlayStation?" And I was like, "That's a really good idea," because obviously she can work from home and I can't. Mm. So I was like, would you mind? So I literally, none of my housemates, no, I snuck in. I wore my mask. I snuck in. I grabbed my PlayStation, grabbed my laptop so I could do my course and stuff. And I just grabbed some more clothes, waxed in and left. Um, so That's I literally spent, I spent the entire week just bashing Madden and Uncharted out. And it was amazing. <laughs> had so much fun. I completed Uncharted 2. I played so much Madden. Like I don't think I've played that much Madden in, year, in, in years um, and loved it. And then, um, so then when she finished at five o'clock, so she'd come up to the bedroom and we'd just watch 24 all night. It was great. Um, we have been watching a Netflix series called Stay Close. Have you seen this trailer? Have you seen this? No, don't even. It's don't by a man called Harlan, I forget his last name. He's an author. It's based on a book. It's incredible. I've never even heard of that. J- James Nesbitt's in it. Eddie Izzard's in it. It's like a serious, it's like a serious, um, it's like a crime thriller, drama thing. Um, okay. James Nesbitt plays a cop, of course, because what else is he fucking playing any TV? <laughs> it's got that Tanya woman from EastEnders in as well. Okay. Um, it's really good, Jay. Eight episodes, we're on episode seven. Beautiful. I shall have to have a look. And it's got two characters called Barbie and Ken in as well. <laughs> You laugh, but my days, it's amazing. It's awesome. So I highly recommend people go watch State. It's number one on Netflix right now. It's fantastic. Um, look up. Yeah, really clever. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. It's just very good. Um, so we're watching that. We're watching 24. Um, we watched The Aristocats on Saturday night. Um, I, haven't seen that for, I haven't seen that for years either. Thomas O'Malley. O'Malley the alley cat. Um Yes, yeah, so we watched that. Um, I am the half had a revelation that she thought all this time that the black cat was called Toulouse, but she, it's actually the ginger cat that's called Toulouse, but she found this out 34 years later. Bless her little face. So she called her cat Tallulah to copy Toulouse, thinking it was because her cat's black, thinking it was, or oh, it's like tabby black, thinking it was the same as uh, the Aristocats, and she's got it wrong this entire time. <laughs> Bless a little face. Is it too late to change the cat's name? <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. So obviously, I've been back to work now. So I was working uh, over the weekend, and then Sunday night happened. Sunday night, the final go. of the regular season of the NFL. It was literally. I think I needed a defibrillator about six times. <laughs> I needed to like really calm my shit. So we needed the Colts to lose to the worst team in the NFL. We needed, and then we needed the, the, the Raiders and the Chargers not to tie. Because okay. if they if they tied, they would both go to the playoffs and we would get knocked out, which I think is a, quite a shit thing because they both those teams could go. We could I was going to say, yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't we they could just meet up lads. backstage and be like, and we're, both, yeah. and we're both in. So. Yeah. Um, so, but the Colts had to lose. So they had, they had the best running back in the league. And I was like, 
fuck. And they're playing the worst team in the NFL. It's like, there's no way. Jacksonville went 16-3 up at half time. And I'm going, oh, all right. All right. I see you, Jacksonville. I see you. What are you doing here? They were phenomenal. I've never seen the Jaguars play so well in my life. And I've seen them live three times. I was like, <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. So I'm literally like, okay. So the Steelers are playing the Ravens. So we had to beat the Ravens. So I was our biggest rival uh, in Baltimore. I was like, oh shit, our offense is terrible. 13 all. It went, it went to overtime. I was like, I can't take this anymore. I was like, I can't. They got the ball first. And I was like, well, fucked because it was one score wins. So whoever scores first wins. So I was like, oh, I don't like it, <laughs> mate. I have never moved moved around. Got off my bed. Got back on my bed. Walked around my room. Bit my nails. Was just like, listen. And I was literally <laughs> every, caressing your chest. Apparently, caressing my boobs. Like <laughs> because it's Ben Roethlisberger is going to retire since the season's ended. He's been my quarterback since I've been a Steelers fan in two thousand and four. So he's been my quarterback for 17 fucking years. And it was like, we don't want to retire now, Ben. Come on. I was just losing my shit. It was just the most batshit crazy fucking mental end to the regular season I think I've ever experienced in my life. So every every 10 yards he was making, I was literally going like, fucking come on. I was just going nuts. And then obviously the Colts lost. We won with like two minutes to go. Elation. But then it was like, but fuck, if the Chargers and the Raiders tie, we're out anyway. <laughs> so, oh, that'd be even that, worse. But that game was at 1.20 in the morning. So I tried to stay up and I fell asleep at half one, quarter two, I think. So I missed the entire game. That game went to overtime. It was a good job he did fall asleep. It was 32 all, right? Jesus. And it went to overtime. And apparently the Raiders G- uh, coach came out today and said, we actually considered not kicking the field goal. And I, it went all the way down to 47 seconds left and the Raiders kicked the field goal for the win. Like, <laughs> I, I just, I love this sport so much. This is why I love it because it just, anything can fucking happen at any time. Like, it, it, yeah. Um, but we've, we've now got to go to Kansas City here, one of the best teams in the league for the first oh, round. Oh, you and Nazi? Yeah. And I'm like, brilliant. So there was a really funny meme. I'll start talking about the NFL in a minute. There was a really funny meme on Facebook that I saw just before we started, which was a Steelers fan, right? Mm. And out loud, it's like, oh, yeah, Kansas City are going to dick us. We're going to lose, blah, blah, blah. But in the brain, it was like, we're going to the fucking Super Bowl. <laughs> Deep down. So Nutsy has been messaging me all day. And I've just been like, I'm, oh, that's all I'm saying. It, Big Ben don't want to retire yet. That's all I'm saying. And he keeps messaging me like, that's all I'm saying, Nutsy. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> But like deep down, like, God, I want to win so bad. <laughs> just like, we've got to go to Kansas City as well. It's just it's like, on their turf as well. It's, it's at Arrowhead, yeah, in Kansas City. And it's on Sunday night at 1.15 in the morning. I'm staying up. I don't, I'm going to be knackered for work on Monday. I don't oh, give you a are, shit. Yeah. But I don't give a shit. But oh my God. It's, I just, I love it. I just love it. What a sport. What a fucking sport. I just, anyway. I just Sorry. don't want, just for our listeners, I don't want people to think Tom is exaggerating. I have watched Tom watch sport. Everyone knows I have no interest in it. It is a fucking beautiful thing to watch. <laughs> this man made me passionate about a football match I couldn't give two fucks about. That was Brazil, it, Germany, wasn't it? It was a great Was that game, Brazil, Germany? Yeah, it was a great game. <laughs> that was unbelievable. You, you, you housewife that night. I did housewife that. I cooked you for heaters. It was a great night. Yeah. <laughs> 
for people for context on that, Jamie used to stay with me every week when I was in Cheltenham, every other week to see his kids. Um, and it's so happy that he came over on Germany versus Brazil, the World Cup semi-final game when Germany won 7-2. And it was ridiculous. just, it was just nuts. But now, all I'm thinking now is I really want someone to film you watching the NFL. And then I just want some like David Attenborough style voiceover on it. I just think it'd be the greatest thing in the world. And now we see the ginger as he strokes the TV. Yes. In his natural <laughs> habitat. <laughs> He's ready to pounce. Are they going to score? They've scored. He's gone wild. We've lost him. He's gone from camera. So we, we, but just quick, we played Kansas City on Boxing Day and they beat us like 34-10. We were shit. I turned it off at halftime. I was like, I can't watch this. We are abysmal. So, you know, the, the confidence side of me is like, it's been a great run. But in my head, just because it's Ben's last season, I'm like, I just want to go all the way. <laughs> Can we just go all the way, please? So like, when's, it, when's this game? Sunday night. Sunday night, okay. The 16th of January, 1.15 in the morning. So technically it's Monday morning. But... You look nervous now, and it's yeah. like less than a week, it's like almost a week away. The bed jersey's coming out on Sunday, and I'm going to wear that all night. <laughs> get sleep in it and everything. I can't wait, mate. I literally am buzzing for Sunday night already. I look forward to your social media that day, because it's always a good laugh on game oh, days. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> anyway, what else should we look to? That's that's literally yeah, that's literally, literally yeah. We're pretty much there. I've just ha- I've been adulting today. I've been productive. Post I posted my um, so obviously I we do Secret Santa uh, for my family because my family is so fucking stupidly big. Um, so we Secret Santa for Christmas because we can't. Everyone can't pay for it. There's seven of us for starters, and you've got all the kids, and it's just ridiculous. Yeah, I got my brother's girlfriend, so I stuff a ride and wrapped it all. They also had to go into isolation. Ah, so course, yeah. I've only posted it today. <laughs> Merry Christmas! Yeah, so, um, and I've completed my Cert 3 course for work. I've hey, just got to wait right. for the exams now. Ooh. So here we go. Well done. And sir. that, Jamie, is everything. So now we're all sort of, <sighs> je ne sais quoi, so we're all caught up. Shall we hear from one of our sponsors? Oh, go on. Keep I us believe- cosy. Hey, Jamie. Do you like being cosy? I do. And do you like staying cosy? I like that even more. Then just head over to www.staycosyclothing.com where you can find hoodies, tees, sweaters, and much, much more. And just enter The Chronicles as one word at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And make sure you follow them on the Instagram at staycosyclothing to keep up to date with all the new designs. Remember, guys, that's The Chronicles as one word at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And now back to this week's episode. My name is Mick Strawn, and you're listening to The Chronicles of Podcast. <laughs> Don't forget to use that <laughs> checkout code, all right? And keep your eye out for new lines coming soon. Yeah. Hey, Jamie. Hello. I think Callum's here to treat you some stuff. Oh, I miss that man. Do you want to know something? Callum will be able to tell you. And Callum's treachings. It's cereal soup. Ooh. 
Right, welcome to the edition of Callum's Treachings. So, Jamie. Hello. Shall we begin? Yes. What is Callum treaching us for the first treach of 2022? Your baby teeth are still somewhere out there in the world. <laughs> oh, God! Oh. <laughs> oh. What, what do you reckon they are? I don't want to know. That's that, horrific, Callum. That's mental. That is mental. Oh, that's giving me the hoobity-joobities. Oh, no. no. Sorry? <laughs> you are. Hoobity-joobities. You turned to Scatman John. That is oh my. horrifying. I want to... I, I, for some reason in my head, I'm going, where are they? Where? Oh. Mother, have you some... I bet my mum's got them somewhere in a box. <laughs> She's probably got them oh, in What a horrific image. <laughs> I turned 50. Here you go, look. I've still got your baby teeth. Most people get out the family photo. Like, Would you like to see the kids' teeth? I've got them all in here. Guess that, like, the Aquafresh baby teeth starts to brush them still. <laughs> I've got to keep them nice and clean. Nice and clean. So like you see Americans, like, shows and the like. I'm just going to polish the silverware. Your mom's like, I'm going to polish the kids' teeth. <laughs> polish it. It's so weird. You don't push it on any of the nightmare like Christmas. What are you pushing yeah. the silverware for? Keep it nice and clean. Yeah, that's... Let's move on. I'm creeped out big time. <laughs> <laughs> what else is Callum Trichiners this week? If you identify a UFO, then it just becomes an FO. Until it lands, then it's just an O. It's very true. Callum, have you been listening to my journal? <laughs> I was going to say, have we said that before? We definitely, I definitely beat you to that treat. I definitely yeah, beat you to that I one. Yeah, I've heard that before. It's very clever because it it's very true. Clever. It is very, very clever. Absolutely, yeah. That was in the journal about a month ago. I knew that sounded familiar. I'm, I feel really bad to shit on the treat like that, but do you know what I mean? It's just, but it's such a good point because you, it can't be a UFO anymore if you've gone, is there a fucking UFO up there? <laughs> but it can't be a UFO now. That's got to be an FO because it, it's, I've now identified the fact that that's flying. Or is it an IFO? Identified flying object. Yeah, exactly, yeah. As is it fucking lands, you're like, oh, there's a, there's a, there's a no over there. <laughs> it's an ILO, an identified landed object. <laughs> Do you reckon aliens live in that O? <laughs> there's aliens in that O over there. <laughs> and finally, Jamie, what else is Callum treating us? This week. If we only bought socks that were exactly the same every time, then we could just chuck them all in a drawer and then not worry about having to match them every single time. You're absolute fucking genius, Callum. That is a wonderful idea. What, just throw... Yeah, why, don't, why, why do we pair socks? Why can't we wear whatever the fuck we want? I can't deal with wearing odd socks. I have to wear matching pairs. I remember this conversation. We had this before. I think we had... It's, I just don't understand why they've got to be matching. And you know what? It's a really good point. Why can't we just wear the socks? It's almost like the government have gone, you will wear matching socks. <laughs> they come sure. as a pair. You will wear them as a I pair. know plenty of people that wear odd, odd socks and it bugs the shit out of me. And the thing is, only I know, because most of my socks are black, apart from like whatever logo is at the top of the sock. Oh, but Star Wars. If, to be fair, I do have quite a few pairs of socks. <laughs> <laughs> But if I know they're not matching, that will bug the shit out of me. The thing is, right, because I've got like, you know, like tennis 
like socks or thermal sort of Wilsons or whatever the fuck they're called. Yeah, yeah. But some are really dark gray and some are black, but it's really hard to tell. So I just go, nah, put them in. Yeah. So I probably wear gray one, gray one, black all the time. I don't fucking realize it. But if you does throw away all your socks, does that trick you? It does trigger me. Sort your fucking life out. <laughs> that just sucks. But if you literally just had all black socks, you could pull them out, the, take them off the dryer, shove them in the sock drawer, job done. Yeah. Oh, Callum, you beautiful bastard. <laughs> oh, just, oh, oh, you've made my soul happy, Callum. Thank you, Treach, Mr. Treacher, sir. We, we appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thank oh, you. Oh. What a great start to the Treachings of 2022. I love it. Oh, it's beautiful. But, Jamie. Hello. It's time for Tom's Journal. Oh, open it. And welcome to another edition of Tom's Journal. (laughs) Do you know what? I fucking will. But of course, the journal is now going to be two weeks of deliciousness. Of course. Because obviously, yes, I've been accumulating things for two weeks. So there is no Tom's entries because I haven't been out. That would help. Um, So this is literally picture around the entire way through. And we'll get started with this one. There are literally no rules saying your New Year's Eve resolutions can't be for evil. <laughs> very good point. It's a very good point. It is a very, very good point. Pinky in the brain would be very happy with that one. They would. Did you set any? Uh, I did, actually. I set two. One is okay. in motion, which was read more. And two, I want to learn the guitar again. Oh, yeah. what sparks that my mate put something up the other day and was like, I've decided I'm going to go buy a guitar. And then I was like, do you know what? I've been saying this for years. I want to start learning the guitar again. So I was like, oh, when I can, I'm going to get myself an acoustic guitar. Start from the beginning. Nice. Yeah. Fair play, well, dude. Do it. I want to start from like literal beginners. Forget everything I know. Start from the start. Well, there are a lot of things, right? I didn't set any. It was, it was to drive, but... Me and the other half, I've got other plans at the moment, so uh, which all will be revealed soon. Um, we've got other plans, so I am putting driving on hold for now because obviously financials and whatnot. But Jamie, Hello. these are the things we didn't do. Start the fire or shoot the deputy. We didn't. All right. These are the things we did do. Built the city and shot the sheriff. We did. All right. The things we want to do are break free and hold your hand. Okay. Yes. I had to think about them once. <laughs> the things we will do will be rock you, uh, survive, and anything for love. Yes. But the things we won't do is that. that oh, that's very poignant for later. <laughs> Remember that one, people. Yes, exactly. It's very poignant. So, yeah. Good word. Poignant. Good word. Oh, I know you're smashing those, aren't you? Really? Yeah, you're beautiful, your big, beautiful, juicy little brain. I've swallowed a dictionary, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> Susie Dent's my new hero. <laughs> um, do you know what, right? I'm so glad that Lady Gaga became a legend. I remember in high school, my math teacher was like, let me, let's see where she is in 10 years. And here we are, 10 years later, with Gaga being a legend and my math teacher in jail. I saw an amazing video of Lady Gaga the other day. 
it, it, it wasn't that funny to be fair. It just really tickled me because I'm an idiot. She's on stage. She started singing. She stopped the song. She was like, bass player, can you play that a little bit different? Because the vibrations from that bass are going to make me have an orgasm. No. <laughs> That's amazing. As if there's a thing like that, I might have to buy a bass guitar now. <laughs> hey, um, love, sit on this amp for us. Boom. <laughs> To start playing um, Chili Peppers. <laughs> <laughs> Dream of California. People. Yeah, keep on moving. Come okay, in. I will. All my days. <laughs> um, anyway, Jamie, in Finland, the cost of a speeding ticket is determined by your income. So in 2002... A Nokia executive got a ticket for $103,000 for going 45 in a 30 zone. Jesus Christ. I'll be right. That is amazing, isn't it? 10p, please, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we fucking, we'll be fine here because the Tories don't want to fucking, you know, actually give us a pay rise or anything. Uh, I was going 50th. That's 19p, that is, please. <laughs> So, Jamie. Fuck, that's a lot of money. Anyway, yeah. At this, I know, tell me, right? <laughs> this Christmas, if you see 20, 20 cars at your neighbour's house and you're thinking about reporting them, go to the fridge, drink a big glass of milk, all right? Why, you ask? Because milk, milk is good for your teeth. Do you know what else is good for your teeth? Mind your own fucking business. This is a new story from 2019, right? But it really made me fucking laugh. School has banned Valentine's Day after a six-year-old tells his teacher he would plough into next <laughs> week. <laughs> a, pri- a, a primary school in Essex. Would be all Valentine's Day cards after a six-year-old child wrote to his teacher and told her that he would plough her into next week. Imagine fucking opening that card. (laughs) What would you do with that? What would you do with that information? I don't know. Because I'd be like horrified, painfully amused. And she'd be like, do I show this to someone? How do I turn around to someone's parent and keep a straight face and say your son just sent me this? Um, what have you been teaching him? <laughs> His dad's there, of course. Yeah. Give him one for me. <laughs> I've always hated that expression. Give him yeah, one for so me. Weird. <laughs> oh, this is from my dad. <laughs> oh, I love these men. It's really weird. <laughs> Imagine saying that to a woman. <laughs> There's a story. There's a story one of my friends told me about his brother. His brother was, was sleeping with his, with his now ex-girlfriend. This, this, they literally broke up because of this. I was just about to find out why. Like. They, were, they were having sex. And as he was about to ejaculate, he literally went, Pikachu, go! <laughs> oh, fuck me. Oh, that is so funny. Oh, my days. Oh, God. That is amazing. Oh, but yeah, I never saw my dad. But yeah, that's just nuts. Um, but Jamie, you, you'll notice all too well 
Okay. Kids would be like, Dad, Dad, watch this. Do a jump and spin and waste my fucking time. <laughs> painfully, painfully accurate. Or now, modern days, it's, Dad, look at this. Show me something to do with a video game that I had no absolutely fuck all to do about. And I'm completely confused. And you just got to nod and go, it's great, son. It's great. Do they still watch those unbagging and unpacking videos? Luckily, those? no. Oh, good. Okay. They just play a lot of Roblox and talk about that a lot. And I have no idea what it is. What's that? Roblox. It's like, it could be really cool. It's basically a kids film where people make their own like mini games. But the right. games they make are fucking shite. It's like, go in this game and adopt an animal and then run around and do shit. I don't know what the hell it is. It confuses the living daylights out of me. Okay. It's, yeah, but yeah, I, I don't get it. But people spend money on it because you can buy Robux and I don't know what they do. <laughs> Just the executives like, yep, this is absolutely beautiful. 1,000, 2,000, 5,000, Oh, lovely. All these kids play these shit little games and we're sat here, you're counting our dollar. Lovely, lovely. That's so oh, wonderful. We'll call them road books. How about we do that? Yeah, road lovely. books. <laughs> Jamie. Uh, yes. You know why everything tastes like chicken? Why? It isn't everything. It's just all the animals that have dinosaurs as ancestors. Technically, they all taste like dinosaur. <gasps> I don't know whether to be amazed or horrified at that. This just in, dinosaurs taste delicious. <laughs> from now lovely, on... Lovely bit of rapture. Bit from of now rapture. on, all my chicken dishes will be dinosaur. Fried dinosaur for dinner. Cold dinosaur salad with apples. Dinosaur and dumplings. <gasps> That's incredible. So, sat with my lawyer. Um, my client is trapped inside a penny. The judge... What? The lawyer. What? He's innocent. Oh, for judge. fuck's sake. The judge. You're going to share with him. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with the judge. From, from a man that loves a dad joke, I agree with the judge. That's fucking awful. <laughs> That's fucking bad. I am going to save the rest of it for next week. And that was another edition of Tom's Journal. That was fucking beautiful. Thank you, sir. Thank you so very, very much. enjoyed that. That was a good journal. Before we go and pick up the old piece of resistance, we should go and hear from another one of our sponsors, shouldn't we? Ooh, go on, then. Calling SizzCast. Hi, I'm Frank Guglielmelli, and I'm the narrator for some wonderful audio dramas from SizzCast, like Marty and Mars, Bounty Hunters, and a great part in Val Toby, with much more to come. You can find these programs on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Or head over to our website, www.syscast.com. We are excited to announce that we are now affiliated with the Chronicles of Podcast with Tom and Jamie. Let me get that piece. He's currently Ooh. enjoying a stir fry I cooked earlier. Oh, very I nice. Put it They're already here because I, I, there's no room in the fridge. They need to cool down. I was like... I didn't want to leave them where people would go, oh, thanks, I'll have some stir-fry. So uh, I've <laughs> The joys of a shared house. <laughs> They're all protected with me. Don't worry, stir-fry, you won't get to, you'll be enjoyed tomorrow by myself. Um, <laughs> you could live with the cereal in the corner. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't you dare. 
You leave my cereal. <laughs> I have I have filled that entire shelf though. I have filled the entire shelf. How many with, boxes is filled the shelf? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. You have eleven boxes of cereal, mate. Come on, it's me. All right. Are they all the same flavour? No. Are they eleven different flavours? No. How many different flavours is there? There's porridge. There's Cheerios. There's crunch nut cornflakes. There's crunch nut granola. Two. There's blueberry wheats. Twice. There's uh, peanut butter cocoa balls. There's crave, and there's two boxes of uh, strawberry crisp. I like to stay stocked up. What can I say? I noticed. I love it though. It really amuses me. But anyway, welcome to the Chronicles of Toby Wright. Toby is a producer, a mixer of all wonderful, beautiful albums during mine and Jamie's growing up period. I don't know what was for some reason, like te- like growing up just went out of my head. I was like, it's a period of time where we grow up and do things and enjoy music. Formative years. Ah, there you go. Better, yeah, way better. Like maybe you maybe you should have left with that rather than let me just go. <laughs> Oh, we do things like enjoy stuff. Toby <laughs> <laughs> has produced and, and mixed and, you know, enjoyed and been a part of some absolutely incredible albums, including one of my favourites, Follow the Leader by Korn. He's done some incredible stuff. And it's not just producing. He started his career as an engineer where he got to work on some amazing albums and Justice for All by Metallica for a fucking start. He's worked exclusively, well, pretty much exclusively, Alice in Chains since the beginning of their career. He did a couple of Kiss albums. He worked on their Carnival of Souls record, which no one likes to bloody talk about, but I love that album. Look, Tom's already fallen asleep. I started talking about Kiss. Um, <laughs> but no, he's had an incredible, incredible career. He's done some amazing things. And not just in the record industry, you know, he's moved on. He does his own podcast called The Right Stuff. We talk to some incredible people. And he has his own sleep program that helps deal with mental health issues, anxiety, and just helps you get a better night's sleep called Tom's. Tom's? We're never going to get this right, let's be honest. But it's basically all-round music. We use different tones and sounds, and it helps you get a great night's sleep. Absolutely. And it's just an all-round wonderful human. And he also knows how to drop in a nice little Zoom background for you to all yeah, enjoy. Yeah, he does. So, yeah, it's beautiful. But maybe we should get to this piece of resistance, Jamie. I think we should. Any final words? Just thank you, Mr. Wright. I know you are a very busy man working on many, many different things. And it was amazing to hear your stories. Thank you so much for coming on. And an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, interviewing this week, he is a producer, a mixer of many wonderful albums, a podcaster, and created his own sleep, self-esteem, mental health app called Tomes, I believe. It's Toby Wright. Ah. So I can actually hear you both. There you go. There we go. I don't have any ears. (laughs) <laughs> is that a green screen you've got on or is uh-huh. that your... oh, I couldn't tell if it was a green screen or an actual background good yeah no the actual background uh, let's see it's like this where are we preferences uh, I'm in the actual studio oh wow but, it, but it's like that Okay, with a random mannequin in the background. 
Well, the mannequin is for, uh, for you know, it has about my skin tone. And so when I set up my cameras and everything, it just, you know, it, it, I'm able to focus on it and get the skin tone and the color right. So that's why I have a random mannequin in the background. <laughs> that, is that is clever. That is genius. Absolute well, genius. Well, when you're into photography, you got to do things like that, you know. Well, it's, no, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Lovely. So... Um, Jamie's going to smash him with an absolutely beautiful introduction, and then we're going to hammer the absolute living shit out of you with questions, okay? Sweet! Beautiful. Let's crack on. Beautiful. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another very special interview. Today, we are welcoming a legend of the music industry who has worked with some legendary artists like who? Artists like Metallica, Alice in Chains, Korn, and Kiss. Today's guest is a wizard in the studio as a record producer and mixing engineer and much more. Today, we give you the chronicles of Grammy Award winner, Toby Wright. Thank you, gentlemen. How are you? Yeah, not doing too bad. Thank you, Toby. Yourself? Hanging in there, my friend. Hanging in there. Good. That's what Except I'm for doing. these ears. I don't know what's up with the ears. So we'll just <laughs> pretend I have some. <laughs> Oh, I see, because you've got the green screen going on, so it's like... Right, it's like right. Cut them off. Oh, what the <laughs> fuck is wrong with it? I don't know. Anyway. Funny thing is, I didn't even notice it until you pointed out. So there we yeah, go. Yeah, it does. I mean, I'm looking at myself going, gee, you look like an alien. <laughs> but Toby, I think oh, we should get oh, to well. some really, really hard-hitting shit straight away. How was, right. your, how was your pandemic season? How was my what? Pandemic season. Well, how is it going, shall I say? Oh, it's great. Don't even notice it. Really? Really. I don't care. Okay. As I suppose because you work inside all the time anyway, I suppose you never really have to indulge in the outside world. Oh, that's true. But I I do anyway. You know, I have to go shopping and, you know, do all those crazy things that normal people do, you know, (laughs) uh, get out in the world and, you know, shake hands and not be afraid. You know, I think it's it's more of a people are scared shitless because of the silly narrative and the narrative isn't really true at all. If you do yeah. your research, but do your research and you'll find out. Because, uh, yeah, because they keep saying, like, there's another one now. And now there's another one. But for some reason, it's always coming out of South Africa. And I don't know why. Oh, because you can't verify it. That's why. Ah, uh, okay. Interesting. Just think of the narrative, my friend. Think of the narrative and follow the money. That's all you need to do. And then you'll find out what the real story is. It's always involved in the money. Ah, okay. That's it. Let's do some more research. Let's have a little look. But whilst you were, obviously, everyone was locked away, did you decide to learn a new skill or teach yourself anything, like a language or anything at all? Uh, no languages, but I did teach myself. Well, it could be considered a language. Final Cut Pro. That, that could be a whole language. And, and now I edit video like a monster, and I have my my, my podcast called My Right Stuff, which I do all the editing for, and or most of it. My, my partner does a bit of it, too. But, uh, yeah, I've had to learn that program. So that's like a new language for me. Yeah, you know? nice. And, and just teaching myself all kinds of wild things. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> I love that. I, I love hearing the people, you know, taking this time to go, do you know what? Nothing else to do. I might as well learn something new. Might as well. Can't dance. <laughs> that's for the next lot then that's right that's right <laughs> so i'd love to i'd love to start with this question take us back sir when you were young master right what was the original plan for your career what did you want to be when you were growing up was it always music mm, no um it was always something to you know to do with daredevilism i guess 
um, you know, because I was always like, uh, you know, jumping garbage cans on my bicycle and, you know, all kinds of shit. I grew up, you know, around Evil Knievel, you know, or that era, um, you know, where there was bicycle stunts and all kinds of crazy stuff happening on our on our little block, you know, between the four or five of us guys that were hanging out when I was like eight or nine or ten years old. Um, you know, so it was always something to do with daredevil stuff, race car driver, uh, stunt pilot, you know, there was all kinds of crazy stuff like that. Um, and then I started, you know, my dad got me into playing, uh, the flute and the clarinet and all that kind of stuff. And I got into school band and, you know, so on and so forth. And then he became, uh, you know, he worked at Lincoln center for the performing arts for a long time. So I went and see a lot of shows, uh, you know, and that kind of got me into music, you know, I was like, wow, this is really cool. And I was living in New Mexico at the time. And uh, I think I was like 17, maybe 18. Yeah, I was 18. Um, and I was driving a truck. And I saw an ad in the back of Rolling Stone magazine for the Institute of Audio Research in New York City. Um, and I decided that, you know what, it's time to go to school. And so I enrolled in the Institute of Audio Research, which also was a, a program with NYU. Um, and so I, in, I enrolled in NYU and got into the Institute of Audio Research. And, you know, then I just I started working as I was at uh, NYU and, and Institute and uh, Electric Lady Studios. And uh, since it was right in the neighborhood and uh, I was paid five dollars a day. Oh, a, day? Wow. a day for my internship. And the days were long. They would, they would take, you know, they would get you in as early as they can and out as late as you can, you know, it's pretty much free help. So what they care, <laughs> but it, it did, a, it did a lot for me. That's all I can say. Yeah. I suppose yeah. that's absolute filth, but yeah, you would have learned to master the craft almost, I suppose, if you were there all the time. All the time. Just the Rolling Stones, Hall and Oates, like, you know, the, the, the list of artists that I saw come in and out of that place in that period of time was amazing. I can imagine because of all the studios in the world to be able to work in. One of the best, that's for sure. So who was your like musical influences growing up then? What did you listen to when you were growing up? Oh my God, everything. Uh, you know, a lot of jazz, um, you know, from my uncle and my dad. Um, and then my mom was the consummate hippie. Uh, this was in the late late 60s, early 70s. And uh, so, you know, there was the Beatles and the Stones and Hendrix and Joplin and Credence and, you know, all of that plethora of music uh, from folk music to hard rock at the time, whatever that was considered. Um, and, you know, so I got a nice eclectic mix of music in my life. Um, and, you know, then I was playing in the band and doing all this stuff. So, you know, we had a whole different, you know, genres going on. You know, trying to make our own and forge our own, you know, that wow. kind of stuff. So <laughs> That's amazing. That is awesome. So you said you got, you started working at Electric Lady, but what was it you were doing there? I was an intern. So I would make coffee. Uh, I would go get everybody lunch. Um, I would clean up. I would learn how to wrap cables. Um, you know, you don't really get to touch much as an intern, right? <laughs> you, you know, you get to go and be you know, a servant basically to the clients. Um, if they want, you know, a sandwich, you go get that sandwich, no matter where it is that they want it from. And you make sure that it's exactly the way that they want it. That's your job. Do your job. You can't become a, a producer the day you walk in the door. Never, ever, ever going to happen. So you, there's a long road to learning. 
And, you know, a lot of that has been skipped these days, and we can get into that a little bit later. But, yeah. So, so how did that – an engineer was your original job, is that right? An engineer? Is that no, how I, you progressed, sorry? Well, uh, yeah, I was going to – you know, from, from, an, from an intern, um, you know, you might be then thrown into the studio to shadow an assistant engineer. Okay. okay. And then, so you would help that assistant engineer do whatever his duties are. And the the duties of an assistant engineer are to, uh, you know, help the engineer um, and, you know, get the the stuff in the studio set up, uh, you know, all the technical things that could happen in the studio, make sure that, you know, none of them happen bad, but they all happen good. Like you're all set up waiting for your client. That's a good assistant engineer. Um, you know, everything is ready. The client walks in the door, they sit down they hit a play button and the session starts going. That's what you're supposed to do as an assistant engineer. And then you work your way up into first engineer. And then from there you go, you know, on to producer and so on and so forth. That's amazing. So, so what exactly is the role of an engineer? Cause you see it on every record engineer, but no one ever really tells you what an engineer is in the studio. What exactly do you do? So you take uh, microphones and you place them on instruments um and you capture the sound um whether it's you know from a synthesizer through a di whether it's you know from a drum kit whether it's a clarinet whether it's an oboe a tuba whatever uh, a guitar you know a bass you have to learn you know how instruments work um you know how they emit sound and then how to best capture that sound right what microphones to use that's always a good trick, um, you know, because it's your source, right? And you want to replicate your source as cleanly and as beautifully as possible, right? And so, you know, if I have, a, uh, you know, a 67 Tele out there with this beautiful amplifier and he's has worked on his tone for a long time or she, whatever, and all of a sudden, you know, you get a microphone on there and you go in the studio or go in the control room and you're listening to it, it doesn't sound anything like it does out there. Well, that's going to be a problem when your musician hears it. He wants to hear that tone that he's got going on his instrument out there, right? He wants to hear that through those speakers somehow. Right? So it's your job as an engineer to make that happen for him. I can't imagine how stressful that is. I also believe that obviously technology now, your job must be so much easier than it was back in the day. Uh, it depends which part of it. Like, a, like, you know, I've had to learn a new language like called Pro Tools. Uh, over the years, right? So, you know, that never existed when I was growing up or when I was an intern. <laughs> yeah. Never existed. wasn't there, right? And so we had tape machines, two-inch tape machines. And, you know, so I've done records that, you know, have uh, – I've learned how to edit that tape, right? Just like I learned how to edit in Pro Tools. And so, you know, is editing always necessary? No, it's not. You can just capture – and build upon that, and you know, then you have a beautiful song that isn't edited; it's just performed well, right? And so, yeah, there's so many technical difficulties and and corners that you can, you know, pigeonhole yourself in. We'll get rid of that. Sorry about that. Um, and so, you know, from there, uh, you can do so many different things if you know your tools. You know, all these technical mm. things are just a tool, right? A microphone is a tool, Pro Tools is a tool, a computer is a tool, you know, and and I think that the most, if you master your tool, like you do a screwdriver or a wrench when you're a mechanic, you got it made, you know, you just got to know where you're going from there. Was it one of those uh, press play and record at the same time? 
Absolutely. (laughs) The Studer 800. Boom. You got to learn how to punch in, too. Good luck with that. (laughs) What's punching in? Oh, punching in means that as you're, it's like an overdub. So you're playing along guitar or singing or whatever, and all of a sudden you have to hit record and go into record at a certain point. Oh, wow. To to continue the performance, right? You can do that in Pro Tools just by setting your, um, you know, setting your cursor where you want it to punch in. You, you know, and if you're in quick punch mode, you just hit record and it'll, you know, have a roll up to it and then it'll punch in wherever you want. Uh, but you know back in the day you had to anticipate that punch you had to be really listening you had to be counting you had to be part of the music you couldn't just like see it on the screen and go oh, yeah i'll punch you in right there go wow <laughs> oh. yeah, it's a little different this was a little different back in the day <laughs> imagine you can't like you'd be talking to these big bands and be like oh fuck dude guys i messed up come on start again <laughs> oh that's happened millions of times and you know when you're in that environment you everybody understands the pitfalls of punching in right and so you know there was a couple of records i did that you know had a lot a lot of edits and it's stuff on the two inch and you know you just you get to working with it and everybody in the room understands what's going to happen next mm. you know once you go through it a few times That's... so can you remember the first artist that you worked with not as an intimate actually worked with Uh, the first artist that I actually got the chance to quote unquote produce and record by myself with a band called Brighton Rock out of Toronto, uh, Ontario, Canada. Um, and what happened was I, they came to the studio I was working at, at the mo at that time and the engineer never showed up. And so the manager asked for, you know, do we have a house engineer? I was the only person working that day. So I was like, well, I could probably do it, you know, if you want me to. I'm the maintenance guy. Uh, you know, that means <laughs> I repair all the tape machines, keep the console in working orders, fix microphones, fix cables, you know, whatever needs to be fixed, I was the guy to do it. And so, you know, I, I came off with the theory that if you know how to fix something, you definitely know how to operate it. Um, you know, you have to know all the ins and outs about it. So, you know, that's when I was at Electric Lady, that was one thing that I really, really – uh, was pounded into my head was that, you know, you need to learn how to work this piece of gear and, or fix this piece of gear in order to know how to work it properly. Um, and so when I, after I did that, you know, it just becomes part of, part of your day. And, and then, you know, when you know how to operate it and you know how to fix it, you're good to go. So there's not much that can go wrong. Right. And if that piece of gear doesn't work, all of a sudden you have to patch around it or you have to do something, you know, to keep your session going and keep your client happy. I love that. I absolutely love that. You know, that's that's seizing your opportunity, isn't it? It certainly is. Beautiful. (laughs) Absolutely love it. So when I was growing up, I was a massive corn fan. Right. And you produced probably, in my opinion, their best album which was follow the leader. Uh, what makes some, how did you get involved in that sort of thing? Did like they approach you or do you had, when you first started out, did you have to be like, I could do that. Like, do you have to like say yourself almost? Yeah. Um, you know, confidence is a big part of it, but I had a manager at the time as well. Okay. Um, so managers help and they talk to the label people and, you know, other managers and so on and so forth and figure out, you know, who's going to be right for what bands and blah, 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 blah. Um, 
And, you know, managers have a bad habit of, oh, well, he just did this record by, you know, so-and-so, and it's this kind of music, so he can do this record because it's the same thing. Well, that's kind of boring okay. for me. I, I don't like that <laughs> shit. I can't stand it. Like, I, I would, you know, if I just did a hard rock record, I wouldn't do another one right away. I'd do something completely different because I can't stand the, the pigeonholing thing that happens, yeah. right? You're only good at rock and roll. You can't do country. You can't do uh, orchestral or anything else having to do with sound. Well, that's a lie. <laughs> 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 I can do it all. So anyway, the the corn record came about because I was managed by um, a man in New York, and he also managed um, Steve Thompson. And so it was in his best interest to get all of us, you know, both of us on there. Steve was originally producing, and I was originally just hired as an engineer. Um, and then he got let go about a week or so into the project after we got in the studio, and they asked me if I would produce. And I said, absolutely. And so the next uh, little while was taken up with all of that. That's amazing. I bloody fucking love that album. It's incredible. Thank you. It's it, it took a long time to make, and we did a lot of experimentation with sound. Um, and that's how you know we got some of those wild sounds that you hear. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. I love it. Thank you. So, how exactly did you get into producing? Is it like the next level up from engineering? It's just like natural progression, or was that something you sought out to learn and do? Uh, a little of both. Um, you know, if you have the wherewithal, you know, you can you can go. I mean, it's not – it just takes, you know, bands and success before them, right? So, you know, if I was a successful engineer, I might not want to make the transition to producer because that's a lot of extra responsibility, right? But myself, you know, I, I like to do things myself, and it's easier – you know, if I if I just do things, then if I try to explain somebody how to do it and what to listen for and, you know, why do you turning it 1K instead of, you know, 500 hertz? What's the difference? Well, listen and you'll find out. But, you know, why does that instrument have more of that and need less of it than another instrument? Well, you have to do all kinds of, you know, it, it's just it's something. Uh, how do I how do I explain it? It is a natural progression, but at the same time, you have to want it. Right. And so. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, in the rock and roll world, it, it's a progression like this. You know, it's logarithmic, basically. And you have to, you know, go from that assistant engineer to an engineer, then possibly to a producer and, you know, so on and so forth. If you're given the opportunity, right, mm -hmm. I can always produce my own band. No problem. I just tell everybody what to do and I'll call the producer. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but when it comes to other bands, you know, it, it's hard. You need to, you know, get yourself in there. You have to align yourself with what lingo they're using, first of all. Um, and second of all, you know, get in with their music and see how can you make it better, if at all. Right. And so an engineer, his duty is just to sit there and take orders from the producer and and like anticipate, you know, uh, I think we got, you know, next is going to be a drum take. So I better have my drums ready and so on and so forth. So he passes that information down to his assistant engineer who then goes and readies the drums or whatever while they're doing a vocal overdub, let's say, you know, or, or whatever. Right. And just, you know, staying one step ahead of the curve. So for, for those unaware, again, I'll ask, what exactly is the role of a producer then? Is it literally just to help the band sound better? Hmm. Possibly. Um, 
the produce the role of the producer is to make sure that all band members are performing the best they can right mm -hmm. for that particular moment given because that's all you got um to make sure that the songs which are the most important part of any project ever um that are in the best shape that they can be in arrangement wise key wise for the singer you know if it's in a bad key for the singer and they have problems hitting the high notes or the low notes then you're in the wrong key you know um you have to make sure that you're you know that the responsibility of all the fiscal responsibilities of a producer are there if you hire outside help how are you paying them you know do you have to do um, union contracts Do you have to do you know so on and so forth i mean the the responsibilities go on and on and that read that recording that you're doing is your responsibility okay if you're hired by a major label for instance warner brothers if you get hired by warner brothers then you have there's a whole bunch of criteria that you have to meet um in order to produce a session for warner brothers right you, th these are just things that have to have that they require to happen in order for you to get paid Wow. That's nuts. <laughs> I mean, how long does an album normally take then, like, normally? Uh, I don't know what normal means. Well, is it uh, like just... <laughs> <laughs> average might be a better word. Yeah. Average, average, yeah, average, yeah. yes. Um, average, I would say, uh, God, anywhere from one to four months. What? Um, oh, yeah, easily. Well, you got to figure. It's, you know, an album is about 10 songs. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so, how many songs do you think that you could complete in one day, as as a, as, as a master musician? Probably none. <laughs> That's right. None. Yeah. It takes it. It takes about three or four days per song. Okay. So now you're looking at thirty or forty days, just in recording. You want to take the weekends off? You're that you're backed up to two months already. Oh, that's insane. That's crazy. Right. Damn. So, go yeah. ahead. I was going to say, so do you take on projects all at the same time, or do you do one, have it for that period, then another one for that period? Uh, that It depends. Depends on how popular you are, and A, and B, you know, what your other schedules are like. You know what I mean? I could do yeah. two or three projects at once if one's a mix, and the other one's a full production, and the other one is something else, you know, like an overdub or something. You know, you can fit things in in the middle of, of other stuff. But usually I would take on a project, and that's my focus from beginning to end. Yeah, I'd imagine. I imagine you have to have some sort of rapport with the artist as well. Is there times where you have to turn around and go, is this, nah, this ain't a good idea, guys? <laughs> yeah. So the way I deal with not a good idea, guys, is, you know, or this sucks or, you know, you, you, what is this shit you're playing um, <laughs> is, to, is, is I record everything we do in rehearsals, right? So that, you know, I, I ask that you as a musician, don't listen to what we're doing. You just play your ass off. And make, you know, the, if there was a, a change in the bridge, for instance, let's write, run it from the top all the way through and make that change happen in the bridge so that when we are done playing it, we can then stop and go listen to what we've just recorded. That way you're listening and you're only concentrating on one thing at a time, right? Mm -hmm. So when, when you're listening, then you can see, hey, is this us? Does this make sense in the song? Is that a good idea? Uh, do we need to change anything about it? Is this the best it can be? All those questions start coming up. Right. And I ask I ask most of them to everybody. So, you know, with the band situation, I won't dictate what's going to happen because that's that's it's not a Toby Wright record. It's a band record. 
Okay. Mm. And so, you know, I let the band decide, do you like that? Or do you not like that? If there's four people in the band, I decide because I'm the, I'm the tying, I'm the break I'm the tiebreaker basically. Yeah. Right. So, you know, if there's five people in the band, I don't need to decide because majority always rules as far as I'm concerned. You know, singer doesn't get more votes than the drummer and blah, blah, blah. Everybody gets their <laughs> their one vote and you're on your way. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, you know, to, and that's how I deal with, you know, is it a good idea or a bad idea? And if the band really loves it, then it stays, no matter what I think of it, right? And if it if it is getting in the way of, quote, unquote, selling records, then I will readdress it and I'll keep readdressing it until – they see that uh, maybe this isn't the best, you know, a best approach. Maybe if we approach it from a different way, then perhaps we can be a little bit more commercial or whatever you want to call it. So th the reason I asked that question is because I always, it's, if there's one song in the world, I've always wondered what it was like to be in that recording studio for. It's from that Corn album, Freak on a Leash. Because the, the, the infamous bit in that song where Jonathan Davis, I'm not going to try and do it, but you know what, of the bit I'm on about, the, yeah, there you go. Uh -huh. What When he did that, like, is that just a, John, what are you doing, man? Is that, or is that planned oh, or no. what is? <laughs> well, he had started doing something like that on a previous record, right? Um, he did a little bit on Life is Peachy. He did a little bit more after that. And then on this record... I was like, dude, you're doing the same exact thing. You're emulating David Draymond. Stop it. Because David <laughs> Draymond in Disturbed has his, whatever his little call is. And he does the same thing every time. Right? So, you know, you could be somewhere else and you hear that little thing and you're like, oh, that's Disturbed. I get it. Okay. <laughs> I, I, wanted, I wanted Jonathan to have something distinct but was different in, 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 in the way he approached it. And so – we came up with this, he came up, I should say, with this rhythmic thing. And it seemed to fit that song perfectly. And so we were like, yeah, dude, that's it. Very well done. That's so, amazing. <laughs> it was a great song. I remember the first time I heard it, it was just like, this is brilliant, but what the hell is happening right now? <laughs> 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 so, on your, on your website, you know, there's a, there's a brief story. I just wonder if you could elaborate on it because I, didn't quite get my head around it when you worked on metallica's Unjustice for all so mm -hmm. you is it right you helped produce the record but you only got put down as an engineer you're credited for kind of but not really um so it, at the beginning of the of that record uh, mike clink was hired as a producer and engineer and i happened to be working in the studio that they wanted to cut the drums in so it was just called one-on-one -on -one. And I was the only engineer there at the time, right? And so I got to work on every session that we did. Um, and so I was lucky enough to be in the room with that one for the whole thing. Um, and so what happened was I got, you know, got in there. Mike came in. We set everything up. Everything's good. And then Lars wanted to record the way Lars wanted to record. Um, well, you know, he was taught that the harder you hit the drum, the better it sounds. Well, the velocity of their music and, you know, he's got great upper body strength, but at the same time, you can't hit every drum perfectly on time for nine minutes straight, like the, the song Justice, right? It's a nine-minute song. Mm. There's no way you're going to stay in, in time. So I had to edit a bunch of all of that stuff, and that was where the, a lot of the editing came in. Um, but also, you know, when 
Mike got let go. Um, that left me in the studio until Fleming Rasmussen could arrive from Denmark, which was probably, I think, three weeks to a month later. And so I cut the B-sides, the B uh, which are Breadfan and, um, and Prince, with, with them while, you know, we were just warming it up, right? You warm up the studio by, they'd like to do it by doing their B-sides first. Um, that way, you know, if there's any mistakes, if there's any fucked up sounds or anything, then they just get put on the B sides and nobody really cares. Right. When it's time to do the record, <laughs> that's when you need the, you know, the fucking, you know, the, the concentration on the pristine audio. Um, and so, you know, I, I was the assistant, but you know, I was brought up to engineer at, at one point, if you would, and then Fleming came back. And so he was fully producing, but we all had a hand in you know, he more so than me in, you know, just, I was all about the technical things. You know, he was all about the music and some of the technical things I had to edit. I had to get all that, you know, the punching down and, you know, that punch in thing came in really handy. Um, yeah, about 30,000 times, um, you know, dur during this record. So I'm not, so that, that album is a monster for drums as well, though. So it's, it's understandable. Is that common though for bands to record certain instruments in different studios? Because you say you just recorded the drums there. Uh, no, they actually recorded the whole record there, but we took oh, you know yeah. a, a long while to do the drums. So um, you know, so what would happen is we you know James would come in, lay down a um, a guitar, scratch guitar, do a click track, right, and then he'd go away, and Lars and you know Fleming and I would work on the drums, and we'd get all the drums done, and then you know it was time to put you know the real guitars on um and so on and so forth and we just stacked them up like that um ah. and then jason came in put all his bass on and kirk came in and did all the solos and boom you know vocals were in between all of that um and then we were done it's amazing it's incredible your, your discography toby is insane it's literally insane for when i was reading on your website corn seven dust taproot three doors down Soulflies, name a few. That's literally me growing up right there. Um, are, there, <laughs> are, there me too. are there any bands that you've worked with where just like you've had some absolutely hilarious moments or hilarious stories at all? Oh, yeah. All of them. <laughs> Brilliant. Any, any you'd like to share at all? Oh, God. I can't think of any at the moment, but you know, okay. as as we progress, I'm sure I might come up with a story or two. <laughs> you know, it it's hard to pick out one. You know, out of all the out of all the shenanigans that have gone on in yeah, the studio. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. But looking at that discography, there's one one band that stands out because you've done so many records of them, and that was Alice in Chains. Right. So, how did you get involved with them? Um. Well, I heard them on the radio uh, with Man in the Box the very first time. I was living in Los Angeles, and I heard that, and I was like, holy shit, I want that band. <laughs> and I kept listening to it and listening. I went and got the record. I listened to the whole record. I was like, man, there's something here. There's something crazy amazing with this band. And I got in touch with their A&R person. His name is Nick Terzo. Um, and he's the one that gave me a shot at recording two songs uh, for the Last Action Hero soundtrack, um, What the Hell Have I and A Little Bitter. Uh, those are the first two songs that I recorded with Alice. Um, we kind of co-produced them, um, Jerry and I did, and then, you know, like, it was for a movie soundtrack, so uh, the guy that the movie 
company had hired to do the last action hero, uh, Michael Kamen, he was in charge of all of that, so to speak. And he had brought his engineer and blah, blah, blah. And so there was weird politics that went on, but the band and I got along really well. Um, and so I just recorded it. And then somebody else, uh, I think Andy Wallace mixed it all. Um, and that was my introduction to the band. And so when they were done mixing, um, the band didn't like the mixes at all. And so I got the call to do Jar of Flies. And, and so I met them uh, in Seattle to do Jar of Flies. And 10 days later, we were done. 10 days? Baboom. So from wow. that one to four months, 10 days? Well, this Alice was a very, very special band at the time. Uh, and they still are. But at, at that time, they were just coming home from uh, Australia. And they were on the, uh, what, what tour was it again? Uh, uh, b -b 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 the Perry Farrell tour. What is it called? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> it's in Chicago right now. What the fuck is it called again? Uh, Lollapalooza. Thank you very much. Ah. <laughs> All right. So. We're British. Whatever. <laughs> so anyway, they're, they're on the last leg of the Lollapalooza tour. Uh, 94 i believe and you know jerry called me up and said hey man you want to do an ep with us so i'd love to you know you got any songs he's like yeah i got some songs i've been working on a bunch of stuff cool we'll meet you in seattle and uh you know i said well can you send me something he goes man i'm in australia right now if i send you something you won't get there until after we're done i was like oh okay well you probably got a point there thanks so i, I you know he said i got like 15 16 17 songs i'm good to go and so we went up to, I met them in Seattle, walked into the studio, set everything up, band comes in, you know, we were sitting around all giggling, laughing at each other and having, you know, some stories from the road. And uh, I was like, so, you know, let's, let's get rocking here. Uh, what about some of those songs? And Jerry goes, uh, funny thing about those songs. I don't have any. I was like, oh, okay. And that, that was my look on my face too. Yeah. <laughs> I, said, I said, so what are we going to do? for the next 10 days. Cause we had 10 days of studio time booked at London bridge. And he said, Hey man, do you mind if we just jam for 10 days? He goes, if something happens, something happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Are you all right with that? I was like, all right, well, yeah, let's rock and roll because being in the studio with the best band in the world at the time was nothing to fucking sneeze at. And what am I going to do? <laughs> Say, no, we can't. We just got somebody else. Right. So, you know, if I had said no, I would have been out. It had been that easy. So, of course, let's let's rock and roll. So we proceeded for the next 10 days to work about 16, 18 hours a day uh, and come out and come out with Jar of Flies. Wow. That's nuts. I love the fact they just turned up with nothing. Gone, yeah. They turned up with nothing. We produced, recorded, written, arranged, and produced all right there in the studio. That's incredible. In those 10 days. That's incredible. amazing. Incredible. I, I love the look of pride on your face and you'll tell that story as well. You could tell like, you're like, that is a damn, that's a damn good time of life. I enjoyed that. Well, it, it was, it was, I mean, that only happened once in my life. Right. And, and as, it'll probably only happen once in my life. Um, so, you know, to where a band walks in, they kill it in, you know, X amount of time, 10 days, this one was, and, and then all of a sudden it sold four and a half million. And it was the first EP to ever debut at number one. So, we didn't, in, you know, we had no intention of that. The intention was to just have some fun and, you know, make some songs, do some rock and roll, see what happens from there. 
That is awesome. So, <laughs> I love that. So I was looking at your at your credits, and you've produced quite a few like compilations and soundtracks and great hit albums and stuff like that. The bands aren't re-recording these songs. So what's the difference between like producing a normal record and doing like this? Um, well, most of those they're just some songs that they took from an original record and then you know put it on a compilation record they also have to give me the credit for the production that i've done prior right so ah. a bunch a bunch of that stuff is that but you know there's a couple that i was asked to be involved in you know a couple of the alice box sets and things like that too you know hey man what song should we do here and what you know i need to do this over here let's do that and let's take this song and put it over here and you know so on and so forth um since at the time i was you know like i had my hands really deep in the catalog you know so i could i could you know, work with the A&R guy at the time, really figure out what was going to be the best box set, you know, things like that. That makes it. Oh, because I saw like, it was like I think it's Buffy the Vampire Slayer soundtracks. So you produce one of the songs that's on that record. So you get. Right. Right. Okay. I'm not sure if it's a case of you like in the studio putting it together. And I don't know. Like, like I, I said, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, sometimes it was and most times it wasn't. That's fair enough. So. <laughs> You've done so many records, as we've said, you know, we could be here for like 12 hours discussing most of them, I think. But are there any records that you're like particularly proud of that you feel like maybe didn't make it as big as you thought it should have, if that makes sense? Hmm. Um, a band called Oysterhead. Hmm. Oysterhead is Trey Anastasio, um, Stuart Copeland and Les Claypool. Right. So, and you guys are looking at me like, who in the fuck are those people? No, two of those names sound really familiar. <laughs> I can't think why, and it's bugging me. But anyway, yeah. Stuart Copeland, the drummer from the Police. That's why I know that name. Ah. Yes. Les Claypool is the bass player slash frontman for Primus. That's why I know that ah. name. Yes. <laughs> and Tr and Trey Anastasio is one of the guitar players in Fish. Ah, okay. I'm not really that familiar with Fish and But the other two, I knew the names. I was like, why do I know those names? Okay, so that band, I got to mix uh, their, I think, only record. Um, and because I had done some work with Primus in the past, and he and Les brought me in. Um, and I had done some uh, work with Trey Anastasio as well. I mixed his uh, first uh, solo record. And so they brought me into that situation, and I mixed that one. I thought that would be huge, but... It didn't really, you know, it's more of a, an art eclectic record uh, than it is mm. a pop record or something that, you know, all the kids would buy. But I just thought the musicianship was fucking amazing on that record, and I loved every second of it. So uh, well, that's probably one of them. I definitely have to check that out now. I think I'm just going to find it in there on the old yes. Spotify. O Oysterhead. It should be on Spotify, I would think. Wonderful. So when you're producing these albums, do you get a saying what's going to be released as a single or is it literally that is the record company and the band they deal with all that? Or do you get an input? Or do you like guys, this one, this one's a winner. Um, it depends. Like if, if we're talking about a major label, I have nothing to do with the picking of the singles or any of that kind of stuff. I just turn in the record with the best songs that can actually be on that record. Um, and you know, then they're all of their teams go to work. You know what I mean? They have people that do that for a living. So they employ them to do that. And they find out what songs on this record, they, they test them all. 
right? They get them and they put them through some kind of test um, with random people. And they tell you, you know, how this song and that song is going to score on an average of, you know, one to a hundred, let's say. And so that's how they pick singles. It's all done wow. with very, very calculated risk. Um, you know, they don't just go, Hey, this is my favorite. Number four is my favorite. I want that one as a single. That's what I do. That's what I do. Right? So let's go, this song's fucking amazing. Put this one out, you know, and usually I'm wrong. So, but they go, <laughs> but they go by, you know, um, I go by my heart. They go by stats. You know what I mean? And so they have a better shot at having a successful single than I ever would just guessing like, Oh, that's my favorite. So that has to be the one. You know, my, my taste in music is way far away removed from any of the commercial stuff that's heard today. <laughs> Have there been any moments with bands where you've had to literally change things at the very last final minute where they've gone, I really don't like this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I was, I was producing a band. Um, oh, God, it was, I don't know, 2010 or so and we you know we went through pre-production and all that kind of good stuff and got in the studio and the drummer didn't want to play the bridge to a certain song he's like i fucking hate this and he started throwing a tantrum because he was so mad a at himself uh for not practicing and b because he was being humiliated in front of his fellow bandmates um because i was like we talked about this yeah everybody decided we liked it if you had such a strong um, you know, case against it, please, you have to speak up, you know, when these things happen, because I'm not a mind reader. If you just went along with the, with, you know, with, with the rest of the herd, then that's what you get. You know, you get the rest of the herd. So he made such a big deal about it that we had to change it on the spot. Fuck and, no. and so that took rewriting the whole bridge on the spot. And yeah, it took about, you know, an extra four or five hours, but we got it done and it, it actually made the single of that record. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> so kudos to that guy. You know who you are. Um, and, you know, we, we forever ask you to have your opinion known before you hit the studio. <laughs> I was going to say, are you going to tell us who it was? Otherwise, you're like, you know, you, you are. <laughs> no, no. See, names in those things, in those kind of stories don't matter. It's, it's the no, story itself yeah, that is, is the lesson. You know, it doesn't matter if it was whoever or whoever, you know. So are there any artists around today or still around that you've worked with before that you'd, you'd love to work with, whether it be for the first time or again? Oh, yeah. Tons. <laughs> um, those that are, those that are uh, inspired to keep making music and to you know, help people along uh, with music. Music is such a therapeutic thing in life that a lot of people look at it as medicine, you know, and they could pick out whatever their favorite song is for whatever reason. And, you know, they listen to that song all day long. Like you and I get sick of that song after three lessons. You know, these people can listen to these songs and go, oh man, it just touched my heart. And I love that. Those are the artists that I want to work with. The ones that are inspired and are inspiring. Um, you know, they write lyrics because something happened to them. They don't give a fuck what you think about it. They just write their lyrics because this is what happened to them. They want to express their opinion. They want to get it out. It's therapeutic again for the writer. Um, I want to work with those artists. I want to work with those that are telling the truth. I want to know 
you know, where when you step up to the plate, that you're going to give me 110% on your instrument or your voice, whatever your instrument is, every time you step up to that microphone. Those are the artists I want to work with. I don't care if you have a humongous name in the business or you're just starting out, right? It's it's it it's the people that inspire, and I be I get inspired by your inspiration as well, right? And and vice versa, you might get inspired by something I do, and and that's that's I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. But you know that that's what turns me on as a producer and a musician. I love that. I love that. And that's what creates magical, beautiful moments, beautiful albums with, you know, where people like that, when you're both just in sync. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I don't try to control my artist at all in the studio or, or musically at all, you know, their behavior outside the studio, that's a whole different story. But in the studio, musically speaking, please be yourself, play what you want to play, play what you feel, make it happen. Right. Don't be afraid to, you know, get a little jazzy or something when it's called for or not. You know what I mean? Like it just depends on the situation and the circumstances, but it's all about inspiration to me, you know? I absolutely love that. So when I was doing my research for you, this is going to sound like such a bizarre question, but I couldn't find the answer to this anywhere. As okay. I said in the intro, you're a Grammy award winner. Do you think I could find anywhere? What the gra- what albums you won Grammy awards for? Literally I don't know. Not- you don't know. <laughs> that's why i can't find it anyway you don't even know oh i do know i mean i mean i was there but you know i don't know why you can't find it um so i won two with metallica um one was uh for the song one and uh, that was the year after jethro tull won uh at the grammys because jethro tull for some reason won that year over Metallica, even though Metallica played at the Grammys. You can look all this up. It's really funny, uh, like 1989 or whatever it was. Um, and then they, they were granted to get the, the, the Grammy the next year for one. Um, also for, I think it was Bread Fan. It was for one of the B-sides was the best metal performance. Um, and, then, and then another, the third one was um, One Headlight um, with uh, the Wallflowers. Okay. All right. Um, and I just engineered that record. Um, and then the last one was with, uh, Megadeth most recently with their latest record, Dystopia. Um, I tracked, even though I'm not credited on the record, um, I tracked and did everything except for all of Dave's parts. Ah. That's the way, that's the way it went down. And I can't speak on, I can't speak much more about that, but, um, you know, that, that one also won a Grammy with all my tracks on it. So there's number four. I was literally there for about 15 minutes trying to find these albums that you've got Grammys for. I could not find it anywhere. It was driving me <laughs> mad. <laughs> well, now you know. Now I know. Now, I'm, I'm going to take a little selfish moment here. because I okay. think I mentioned this in my email to you. I am a huge Kiss fan. And obviously okay, yes. you produced the Carnival of Souls record with Kiss. I, I did. How was that to work on? Because it's such a bizarre album to the Kiss Army because where it's placed, the way it sounds. So how was that to work on? It was an amazing experience, actually. Um, You know, to work with such legends and icons in the business is always, you know, an an amazing experience for me. And I get, I I learned so much. Um, And, you know, just working with Gene and Paul and, 
you know, Kurt Cuomo, who was a writer on the session, and Bruce Kulick, who obviously was a guitar player, and Eric Singer, the drummer. It was all just such a nice package, you know, and, and we just kept writing songs, writing songs, and writing songs. And then finally we went into the studio, and, you know, it was a, it was a beautiful thing to get in there and track, you know, a band like Kiss live. You know what I mean? And just, mm. you know, as best as, as best as live as we could, um, you know, for what we were, what, what was given at the moment. And so we had just had, a, you know, I had a lot of fun producing that record. It was, it, I don't know, <laughs> it, it was just fun, you know, and, and we just worked really hard and it was all about the songs again, you know, making those songs be the best that they could for this moment in time. You know, Gene had wanted a grunge record um, because, you know, he likes to follow the times and, you know, that genre of music was, was, you know, supposedly at the top of the charts at the time. And so, you know, he and I had a conversation about him wanting to be like Billy Corrigan, um, you know, <laughs> who at the time was selling records like crazy um, and Kiss weren't. So it, at the end of the discussion, I learned that, oh, you just want to sell records like Billy Corrigan. You don't actually want to be him. I get it. Okay, there's a big difference. <laughs> um, so <laughs> it was quite a little discussion um, and, and a very spirited one at that. Um, and, but, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, that record, I get asked about that record all the time because it's one of the, the most controversial records that I've ever worked on. Um, and it, it you know, it, to me, it was just a whole great fun and, you know, hanging out with Gene and Paul and making music with icons like that. I couldn't ask for a better experience overall. Love that. I think it's a great um, album. There's some people like it's not Kiss because it's a grunge record. I'm like, I don't care. It's a great album. <laughs> I absolutely love it. I, I, you can tell you can tell it's a Bruce Kulick passion project. That album, though, you can tell it's Bruce absolutely really loves that album. Oh god, yeah, and he did most of the work on it. So, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, as it should be, he he killed that record. I mean, he made that record. Without Bruce, it wouldn't be that that record wouldn't exist without Bruce for sure. Oh. I love that record. I'm going to have to go listen to that after this. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I, I wanted to touch on what you were doing now. Um, I saw, Can you tell us about Tomes? Because this could be sure. really interesting to me. Sure. Um, well, on my, on my podcast, My Right Stuff, uh, we just passed, uh, you know, we just, this past weekend, uh, Tomes was featured because uh, we had uh, what we call Health Month. Um, and we had actually six episodes of, you know, episodes having to deal with your health, right? Mm. Um, from, you know, sleeping is a big part of it. And then there was a, a restaurateur and, you know, spiritual guru and all kinds of different people um, showed up for me. A doctor, a, a cardiologist showed up and, you know, taught us how to eat right with nutritionists and, and so on and so forth. But Tomes um, is a natural sleep and sound healing portal. Uh, on the web at tomes.com and what it does is it will help you sleep um, and it also will help you get rid of any anxiety and depression um, and you know mental health issues that you might have it's built around something called a principle called sound healing um, which I didn't know even existed excuse me um, until I had a car accident and I had major nerve damage to the right side of my body Right now, the only uh, I've, you know, and I made some of these quote unquote tonalities uh, through a whole bunch of research that I did for about a year um, before I ever stepped into the studio and attempted to make something. 
Um, and once I did, I realized the power that sound has. It can heal, it can kill. Um, but I, I use it for healing. And, you know, it's, it's born on the principle um, that everything in this universe has a vibration, including you, including this piece of metal right here, uh, the piece of plastic that I'm looking at you on. You know, it, it all has some kind of vibratory status, right? And so let's just take your kidney, for example. Um, you know, if you have some kidney problems, for instance, and that that organ is probably not vibrating in it at its healthy uh, vibratory frequency, right? So um, everything in the universe, your brain will try to sync to its environment at all times to keep you safe. That is a rule of the brain. Okay, there will not be an exception to that, except when you're drunk or fucked up, right? And you and your brain isn't really operating the way your brain's supposed to operate, right? Because you're on a different, whole different plane. So, given that you, you know, given uh, the vibratory status, then and your brain wants to sync to everything. If you sleep at say f uh, five to three hertz. Okay, hertz being uh, a measure of frequency, and uh, one hertz is one cycle per second, right? And so if your brain slows down that far, right now you're probably at about 12 to 15 hertz because we're awake, we're talking, your, your eyes are open, you're listening, we're conversing, you're thinking about stuff that I'm saying, etc. And so, um, you know, when you sleep, it, it slows down to like three to five hertz, depending on your level of sleep. Um, you know, REM sleep is the one where you heal the most, okay? And so any normal, normal, healthy adult uh, who gets eight hours of sleep a night probably spends about 20 minutes in REM, and that's it. So your body only gets to heal for 20 minutes during that REM sleep. Well, it better do it really fucking quick because um, <laughs> most of us have a lot more than 20 minutes worth of work to do on our body, right? So I know I do. So... Um, Given given that I took these, I, I took all these frequencies and made something so that your brain would latch onto it. Your brain loves complex waveforms, so it it will seek them out, um, and that's why you, when you know some people have uh, white noise on their TV or wh whatever, somebody just gabbing in the background, some noise that they have to have while they sleep, um, because what it does is the brain goes outside, it listens to that fan noise, and while you, you know, you're sound asleep, but your brain's out there listening, and it's, what's going on? Oh, the fan, cool. You know, oh, it gets into the rhythm of it, and somehow it helps you sleep, okay? Um, so if you, so I truly took these all these frequencies and I made it so that I could you know easily bring you down to three to five Hertz uh, using what's called binaural beats and using that your body then wants to sync to that frequency and those tonalities that are now on my website um, and so people are sleeping deeper they're you know having a lot less anxiety um, and a lot less depression when they listen to this every night and it's it's something that they call brain entrainment and the more you listen, the more, you know, the quicker your body will be to get into that state to where you can stay there longer every night. That's awesome. incredible. It's that awesome. is amazing. Unbelievable. Um, I literally have that all written down, but you've just explained everything. So that's absolutely spot on. But <laughs> I think I'm going to start that tonight as well. I love listening to a fan at night. Love it. Love it. Um, I have Fantabulous up there. 
Um, that's just my dog going crazy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, there's a, there's a sound up there called Fantabulous. When you go to the website at tomes.com, we offer a free seven-day trial. Um, go and sign up for that. And then you can, uh, it's, and it's good for at least, we know of 68 countries around the world. Yours definitely being one of them. Um, and so when you, when you get in there, you can, you know, there's three levels of sleep. And so you can then take those and, uh, you know, pick, pick which one you'd like the best for that night. And then if you'd like the fan sound, you can just switch on Fantabulous. It also has, you know, these tonalities. It has an all-natural tone. It also has, um, what do they call, uh, the, the waterfall. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other um, things that I'm missing at the moment because I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm actually going to pull it up here. So I can quote it properly. Uh, let's see, where's my thing here? Here we go. So we have refresh, um, which is our lightest level of sleep. And in refresh, we have something called all natural. And we have crystalline rain, fantabulous, lapping waves, ocean, rainstorm, and waterfall. Um, and the all natural is just the tonality by itself. And then under all the other selections, this tonality exists. But since I was told very early on in my research that this tonality is so powerful um, that I should put on some of these other sounds that, you know, other humans on the planet are, are, are used to listening to, to, to go to sleep. Um, so I've done that. Um, and then I have restore and revive, which are also, you know, different levels of sleep. Revive being the deepest of the sleep. Um, and, you know, that's, that's where you're going to stay down in REM the longest. Incredible. That's, that's, that's magnificent. Yeah, that is unbelievable. I, I well, love that, you. you know, you've had this huge career in music and now you're still working in music, but it's like complete polar opposite world, but it's still working in sound and music. It's, it's, it's a nice it's, little... It, it's sound. There, there's no yeah. music uh, yet having to deal with tones. Uh, I'm working on what I call spa music, um, which will be, you know, good for meditation and be good for, uh, you know, if you're getting a massage or something like that in your favorite massage parlor, you know, so on and so forth. Um, you know, but that, that'll be the music part of it. But right now it's just tonalities. Um, and I say tonalities because every frequency that I use is a non-musical frequency. Um, you know, all of your musical notes have specific uh, musical frequencies, and these we associate, you know, with our musical scales, right? Um, I've used things all in between them that have to do with your organs and your brain, and, and that's it. I didn't, you know, I'm not interested in putting them toward music um, because that's that's not what this exercise is about. Mm. Incredible! Everyone should go check that out. Go check that out right yeah. now. Yes, T. T-A-U-M-M-H-O-M-S dot com. Beautiful. You've mentioned as well uh, your podcast quite a few times. So we should probably talk about that at the same time. The right stuff. Um, what made you want to start getting into podcasting? Oh, God. Just the need to uh, – here, I'm going to help you out here with a, with a little uh, boop thing like that. Oh, oh yes. like it. Stunning. <laughs> 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 so there's there's the tomes website um you can go there and sign up for your free trial now and anytime um so what made me get into podcasting it was um the fact that a i have this tomes 
I also have a, you know, musical production career. And I, I know I, I'm always trying to get out there and, and help people. Right. And, you know, no matter what I'm doing, like with the sleep thing, you know, with music, I want to help people. I want to help musicians, so on and so forth, become the best that they can be unto themselves. So I'm thinking to myself, you know, I need marketing, you know, so I go to a manager or I go to somebody to help me with tomes. They want to charge me unbelievable amounts of money to do what? Absolutely fucking no guarantee about anything. But here, give me six figures and I'll do whatever it is I'd say I'm going to do. But if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Oh, well, that's a bunch of horse shit. Because <laughs> what kind of industry is that, really? Like, you can't guarantee me anything? Oh, no, no, no likes, no comments, no nothing. But if you pay me a hundred grand, you know, we'll put you on our schedule. Like, yeah, okay, I got to go. So this is what made me get into podcasting because I'm like, all right, I got a camera. Uh, I got a mouth. I'm going to help out my friends and I'm going to do this podcast so that, you know, I'll call it my right stuff. That sounds hokey enough. And it's all about literally having fun and helping my friends and marketing and become, you know, just just something that people um, I, I like all kinds of interesting things. So it's not just music. There's a race car driver. I just interviewed uh, the vice president of General Motors um, for, you know, for all the upcoming, um, you know, electric vehicles they have going on. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's a bunch of stuff like that. Race car drivers, because I'm really into racing. So I have friends that are race car drivers. You know, Johnny O'Connell is one. And he's a you know huge race car driver in, in this world. Um, you know, Danica Patrick is up next. So there's, you know, there's a whole shitload of people. And then there's, you know, restaurant tours and just chefs and all kinds of stuff that, you know, people definitely need help with, right? And so, you know, you might be into eating your processed foods. Well, watch an episode of My Right Stuff with a nutritionist. You probably won't go there anymore. You'll probably be seeking out that health food market and going, hmm, what do I need to get healthy now? Because, you know, the, the fact of the matter is that, you know, I forget the saying right off the top of my head, but you can either save uh, or pay attention to your wellness or save for your illness, right? So, you know, you're either going to get sick and going to have to pay for that for the rest of your lives, or you can start now and, and pay into it for your wellness. Beautiful. So, Amazing. Tom, have you got any more questions? Just one more, really. Um, did you ever think, Toby, that your life would pan out the way it has? Do you ever think you'd be sat here right now producing these wonderful, wonderful albums? No, not really. Um, you know, I really didn't have uh a spot in mind to you know to where i should be at any point in my life um all i knew is that you know i found this passion in music and i just started following it and you know when i was at electric lady as, a, as an intern for five dollars a day um you know i learned a lot so i took all of that knowledge forward built some studios in los angeles when i got out here and that started a whole maintenance career and then all of a sudden, I was the only uh, engineer in a place. And, you know, I, I made this Brighton Rock uh, demo, which I explained earlier. Well, that, that manager came to me and said, man, these are the best sounding demos we've ever heard. Um, I just got them signed to this label because of it. Uh, could, could, would you produce the record? And that was how I produced my first record. Um, right after I produced that record, by the way, I went back to being an assistant engineer. Oh. Because that's what happens, oh. right? 
<laughs> well, of course. You know, you don't just take a step up and then you keep going. Yeah, you have yeah, to take yeah. a step up, one step, two steps backwards. One step up, two steps backwards. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, one, yeah. Two steps forward, one step backward. Right? So on and so forth, right? And so I, you know, I prided myself on working for some of the best producers in the business, like Ron Nevison and Ted Templeman, that, you know, gave me a real insight into how to make music, right? It, and Ron has produced so many bands in his life, including Led Zeppelin, that you know, it's like, if I'm stupid, if I don't want to work with him, it's plain old stupid. <laughs> like, oh, but he's old and this and that. Fuck you. He's one of the best producers in the music business, period, bar none. I don't give a shit about any of them. He is one of the best that ever was and ever will be, period. So I want to learn from that guy. So inspirationally speaking, you know, I, I have this whole thing to where I think that inspirational and inspiration is the way to be in life. And I'd like to just inspire others to come forward and bring their art with them. Come and see me, make some great music, you know, and, and it's all about inspiration. Love Beautiful. it. Are you working on any records at the moment or have you got anything coming up that you're allowed to speak about? Um, I'm working on three records actually, but none of them can be spoken of at the <laughs> moment. Um, <laughs> I know that's really bad, but, you know, that's the way a lot of people are with their music until you actually put it out there. Um, NDAs. <laughs> yeah, whatever, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, there, there, there's, some, there's some good hard rock coming. Um, there's some good artistic rock coming. Um, and then I have a couple of people that I'm working with, um, you know, with my F3, F3 label. So there's, there's always that. Incredible. Toby, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for doing this. You're welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. I appreciate it. Before we let you go, though, have you got any plugs, websites, social medias, anything you want people to check out? Uh, tomes.com. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want you to come over and sign up for your free seven day trial today. Um, and, you know, and then I would like whoever does that to please let me know how it treats you because that is part of my research, right? Uh, just drop me an email at Toby at Tomes and, you know, we can, I'll, I'll definitely respond because it shows up right here on my phone. Um, let's see, what else? Toby Wright Music is another one uh, where you can learn about me and I try to keep it up to date, but eh, you know, you know how that is. Um, <laughs> and then, and then there's My Right Stuff, uh, which can be found on YouTube at My Right Stuff and or MyRightStuff.com. And that's my podcast that I was speaking of. Um, and all of those, you know, come and see me. We got, we got lots to talk about and uh, lots of inspirational guests and, and things to come in the future. Amazing. Toby, thank you so much, man. This has been so much fun. An absolute pleasure to talk to you. We really appreciate taking the time out. My pleasure, Tom. And thank you as well, Jamie. Appreciate you, you so both. Much, my friend. Just an incredible, incredible interview. Just what a man. What it's... an album to fall onto as well for your first one. And just as fraud by Metallica. Like, that's insane. It's just such an awesome career and how it progressed. Like, from just been like, oh, do us a favor, Toby, help us out. All right. And the next thing you know, he's fucking producing records. It's just amazing. Look where he is now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely working with, amazing. Working with Soulfly, Taproot, Three Doors Down, Alice in Chains, as you said before. Nuts. An absolute array of artists and bands. It's incredible. And I and love we, how passionate he got about Alice in Chains as well. That man loves yeah. that band. It was, oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. But we hope that you guys enjoy listening to it as much as we did recording it. Mr. Stevens. Hello, sir. It's that time, baby. It's audience participation time. Play it. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to participate in Jamie's Participation Challenge. This week I said to you, our dear listeners, it's a well-known fact that Meatloaf will do anything for love. But what is that one thing that he won't do? Now, I am going to say I'm fully aware now, thanks to the comment section, that he does say in the song. I wasn't aware of this beforehand, but regardless, you know what the task was. Because by God, did I get put in my place by about 25 people. Apparently it says in the song. I didn't know that beforehand. Did you know that beforehand? No, I had no idea. No. We were educated a lot of times over. A lot of times. Mr. Stevens, what do you think he wouldn't do for love? Rob a jewellery store while wanking furiously into a colostomy bag whilst drinking an Otango ice blast. I'm really worried about you. Why? How the fuck did your brain just come up with that? I have no idea. Okay, sorry. Riddlin. <laughs> I, I don't even know how to follow up on that one, if I'm honest with you. Rehypnol? Cocaine? Yeah. I don't know. One of the two. <laughs> Shall we get to some answers? Because I. What about you? I, I don't. I didn't actually think this one through. I didn't really think of anything, to be honest. I, I was too busy collating the audience on the answers. Uh, okay. There is quite a few for this, but there's some great ones out there. Kyla Robel says, "Go ass to mouth." <laughs> <laughs> she never grasped mouth. Haley, Haley Cox says, "Fart the alphabet backwards." Interesting. Yeah. How can you fart the alphabet? I have no idea, but apparently Meatloaf can't do it. I <laughs> won't do it either. <laughs> Steve Barlow, invest in Bitcoin. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, you Not probably one, should. You? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Richard Hewitt, perform a cannibal corpse cover in Welsh. Oh my God, that'd be unbelievable. <laughs> no wonder he doesn't want to do it. <laughs> Heather Garhuni. Vote Tory. Yeah, no one Had to be in there somewhere. Ah, 100%. Sam Quarter, put the milk in tea first. Oh, wow. Yeah, no one I'm with you on that, that one, Mr. Yeah, Lowe. Don't do that one. Paul Smith, sing live. He was literally the worst gig I've ever been to. Really? Apparently so. Damn. <laughs> Matthew Clark, are you ready for this? This is glorious. From personal experience, I'd say the one thing Meatloaf wouldn't do is eat a German sausage again. After he nearly choked to death on one. Luckily, I was there to save him by performing the Heimlich manoeuvre. In fact, you could say, I took the worst right out of his mouth. Oh, for fuck's sake. (laughs) John Gilman. When it comes to his taxes, he won't do that. I mean, you t- you didn't like my judge joke earlier about innocent, but yet you're telling me two fucking things like Jesus Christ, Jamie. <laughs> Louise Roby, he won't talk about Fight Club. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that one. That's good. Rossi Vengeance, he won't make out Miley Cyrus. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> John Clark, he won't watch John Cord- James Corden. Yeah, good. No one needs that. Paula Kay in what is the winning answer. Literally no, nothing beat this one. He would do anything for love, but he won't give you up, let you down, run around <laughs> and desert you. <laughs> no more answers. Nothing's going to beat you. It's the best one, right? <laughs> Becky Westwood, he would do anything for love, but he won't do the school run. 
Which is well, fair uh, enough. Yeah, I, I, I mean, his wife must be livid. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Helen Barrett, he'll give anything for love, but he won't give you his last Rolo. Oh, bastard. What a bastard. I love the last Rolo. It's the best one. Matt Rose, he will give anything for love, but he won't give you any meatloaf. He loves it so much, he named himself <laughs> after it. <laughs> Lydia Manson, he won't give you a Klondike bar. What the fuck is that? I had to ask this question. Do you know what a Klondike bar is? No. It's vanilla ice cream covered in chocolate. Dear America, it's called a fucking Choc Ice. Okay, I was just, what, what, okay, why is it such a weird name? I have no idea. But apparently there's an advert. She gave me some context. Apparently there's an advert. But the advert used to say, I would do anything for a Klondike bar. So it's quite uh, Okay, okay. Kirsty Darby, he would do anything for love, but he won't do Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> Last two, no. He would do anything for... Sorry. Jasper Barrett, he would do anything for love, but he won't listen to my show. Oh, oh sorry, Jasper. Maybe we should hit him up or let him know. I have to listen to the Heads at Show. Heads at Rock Show, yeah. Sorry, another... The real, I missed one. There's three more, so there's no two more. Shelley Harris, he would do anything for love, but he won't post Spider-Man spoilers. Good man. Good. Good what man. What a legend. Good, Good man. man. Good man. What, what a movie. And Ryan Williams, he's back, baby. He would do anything for love, but he won't share his last slice of pizza. He won't forgo his right to be player one on a video game. He won't stop wearing leather, and he won't forgo his green rip on the bong. <laughs> and after some investigation, the green rip on the bong is the first rip of the bong. Like taking a sip of a cold beer, the first sip. Okay. I I'm not really a weed expert, so I don't I've, know. No, normally I've done it once in my life by accident, so fuck knows. By accident? <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> How could it by accident? Because when I was in year 10, I smoked for an entire seven days, and I was at my mate's and he gave me a roll-up. I just thought it was an average Joe roll-up, but it wasn't, and I didn't realise till my eyes were bulging out of my head, and I didn't know what was going on in my life. Off one toke? It might have been one or two. I don't remember. It was a long time ago. It was 1998, for fuck's sake. Because I got... Because I got... <laughs> la -di -da -da -da. I thought it was an average cigarette. Then I got... <laughs> I just thought it was an average Joe. But then I got... <laughs> now I want Doritos. And I know why. Yeah. Because I got... By accident. Because I got... Because I got... By accident. Um, I, I reckon, there's another answer I came up with while you were answering, which was, I reckon he, you know, how people demand one more Cornetto. I don't think he'd give you that either. You don't one think me, like, Cornetto? Give it to me. No, bastard. But if you enjoy, uh, also, before I get started, thank you so much to everyone who participated, yes. because... Jamie told me he had a fuck ton of answers, so we appreciate you. I did have a lot of answers. Ever possibly imagine, and we thank you, and we appreciate you, and we salute you, and we bow, and everything else. So thank you so much to everyone who checks this show out. If you enjoy Jamie's audience participation challenge, you enjoy Callum's treachings, you enjoy Tom's journal, the interview, and all the bullshit that comes at the beginning, then you'll enjoy the other 22 editions of the Chronicles of Podcast, all available wherever you get your podcast from, Spotify, Google, Apple, uh, Heart FM. I don't fucking know where I was on the Heart FM. <laughs> seven, seven radio, whatever it used to be back in the day in Gloucestershire. Um, Random fucking book. radio two. Um, <laughs> Maybe one day. Oh, who knows? Ooh. I doubt it. With all the swearing. Um, <laughs> now on the Chronicles of Podcast, the shipping news. Anyway. 
Yeah. Travel news. It's down the M25. It's chocker. Fucking chock of lockdown there, Tommy. You can't say fucking. It doesn't matter. It's the Chronicles <laughs> of Podcast. Yeah. Um, it seems to be a backlog at Trowbridge. Where's <laughs> Trowbridge? Um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> you can find us on Spotify, Google, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts from. Please hit that download button. Please come and enjoy the show. You can also now watch us in full on YouTube at the Chronicles of Podcast. Just put that in, hit that subscribe button and enjoy all of our shows, all of our interviews and all of our hashtag WBW Way Back Wednesdays, which is all of our old interviews that are bringing to our new channel. And obviously it was Jarrett Reddit this week, so we hope you enjoyed the interview with the Bowling for Soup lead singer. Is he Bowling for Soup in or in uh, Receipt of Soup? I'm not entirely sure. I think they did actually answer this not long ago. On I behalf, believe it's Bowling it was, for. It was, was it on behalf of? I can't remember. Okay, they didn't answer the question, so maybe we should go back, reiterate, and go and find out. We could also come uh, and find us on Facebook at The Chronicles of Podcast. Please hit that subscribe button. You can also follow us, Jamie. Do you know where? Um, down a dark road. On the Twitter. That makes more sense. At TCO Pod. Do you know where else you can follow us, Jamie? Um, sitting on a branch outside my house with a flashlight. On the Instagram. Oh, that makes more sense. At TCO Pod. And you can also follow us on TikTok at TCO Pod. You can also come and look at our wonderful, beautiful, gorgeous, delicious, and sexy new website at www.thechroniclesofpodcast.com. You can also find us on there where you see our shows. You can find out about our sponsors, the Sophie Lancaster Foundation, Stay Cozy, and Syscast. And you can also come and check out all the episodes and all about us and the show itself. The Chronicles of podcasts downloaders reviewers raters sharers tell every single one of your friends about us but most importantly most importantly jamie oh listen to us when accompanied by a goose a horse and a hamster i've only got a goose and a horse i've got a guinea pig mm, sorry hmm. sorry no you lose what an amazing episode that was. <sighs> a big old thank you to Mr. Toby Wright for taking his time out to sit with us. Had an absolute amazing time talking to you, sir. And as always, we have to thank these five people behind us. Stay cozy with their incredible, incredible clothing. Go take a look at their website, staycozyclothing.com. Find everything you like, which is going to be one of everything because it's all damn good stuff. And it's bloody comfy too, let me tell you. Enter The Chronicles at checkout to get 10% off your order. It's New Year. Treat yourself to some new threads, as the kids say. Also, go check out our amazing affiliated charity partner, the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. Absolutely incredible work they do to stamp out prejudice, hatred, intolerance everywhere. They have some amazing plans for the new year. We had an incredible sit down with Alison and Adam from the, from the foundation the other day. Some incredible plans for the new year. We can't wait to see what we can do together. Let's raise some of that cash dollar dollar and do some incredible work. And Last but not least, thank you to Mr. Matt Roberts, who supplies us with all of our incredible music, our new sexy intro music, all the music you hear on our trailer, our little video bits, you name it, all comes from Mr. Matt Roberts. And he doesn't just do music for us. He's a musician. He releases his own music. Go check him out on Spotify. Retrograde Volume 3 is coming out very, very soon. And it's absolutely incredible. Go check it out when it's out, because it's not out just yet. So look forward to it and i just realized i said last one i was incorrect i forgot someone i do apologize our dear friends at syscast with their incredible audio dramas go check out val toby right now with this handsome son of a gun season two is currently in the works 
So that'll be coming to you. The full series one is now in full on Spotify or wherever you get your audio dramas slash podcasts from. So please go and check that out. And there's also the Christmas special, The Santa Claus Basher, is also out. Uh, yeah, so and go follow Matt Roberts at Matt Roberts Music on Instagram or Facebook. We would graciously appreciate it if you would do that for us. What another wonderful episode. Thank you, Toby. And thank you to all of our sponsors. We really appreciate all of you. Jamie, obviously, took the words right out of my face. And uh, as for this week, there's a lot of meatloaf references in this episode. There is, isn't there? <laughs> there is, isn't there? So, yeah. But as for this week, Jamie, we're going to see you all next week. Yeah, we are. Goodbye, everybody. Bye! Bye.